I like to take out my teeth before I begin nibbling on your filthy skin. <laughs> I'm a skin nibbler. <laughs> Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you listen to Synchronon. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening, and welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm your host, E. Simon. And uh, I'm the other one, the other ghoul, Kate Rambeau. The other ghoul. It's a bit weird then. The other ghoul. <laughs> What's cracking there, Kate Rambo? Do you know what, D. Simon? This is the first week in probably this year that I have not gotten drunk. Whoa, you've been sober the whole week? I've been having, I've had a few whiskeys every day, but usually there's one day a week where I get like blind drunk, but it, it, it's just not worked out for me this week. So I've had like a pretty sober week. So I've seen what life is like through the lens of a sober person. And let me tell you, it's disgusting. I'm, I'm back on it this week. Yeah. <laughs> I, still, I love how you're like, I haven't gone a week without drinking anything. I just have gone a week without getting blackout drunk. Blind. Yeah, I have one day a week where I'll like, you know, I'll put on records and I'll listen to the Ramones till like five in the morning. And I've not done that this week. I've just not have found the time to do it. I've not opened a single bottle of wine, but I've been drinking whiskey. Yeah, I can tell you one thing. I'm never going to stop having one day where I get blackout drunk, where I'm like at home and I, I wake up the next day still fully clothed with my shoes on. And I'm like, how did I get here? Yeah, I I'll need, have that I one need day. that release. Same I need it. But mm. during the week, actually, I kind of pretty moderate drinkers have to get up so early for work. You know? Well, obviously, because I work graveyard, what happens is I finish work by 9 a.m. I'm at home and I'm like sat there having a couple of whiskeys and then I'm, I'm away to bed. Um, so my day is a bit different to yours. Yeah, because you, you're back in the morning. You'd have to daytime drink. Like, yeah, and, get to that. What, and then the get point? up. It's, you know, it's, it's a lot harder on your body sleeping through the day because you don't get a proper sleep. So I just try and like, I just have a couple just to like, you know, take me off to the Neverland of sleep, but I can't get blackout. Yeah. I went, uh, I went out drinking in Hollywood with uh, Danny the other day. First time I've seen Danny since the pandemic. Cause he's one of those guys that did not leave his house. Yeah, I'm not jealous that you went out with Danny. Fuck Danny. <laughs> Hi, Danny. I'm we jealous went, of it. It was funny though, we went to a bunch of different bars. And like, as, I think I was mentioning last week, like people are like, fuck the mask. No one's wearing masks now. But the bars have signs that say unvaccinated people must wear a mask on the honor system. Lol. Like, <laughs> Who's doing like, that? What cretin of Los Angeles has honor? Like, who, who's going to do that? And they don't enforce it. It's not like they're doing like temperature checks. You know, it's just like, yeah, it's just, oh, on your honor. It's like leaving out a bottle of vodka and just being like, just have one shot on your honor. Yeah, it's never going to work out. No. But anyway, we're we're going up. Hollywood is packed. And so we're going down to the Burgundy Room, um, which is a great bar, actually. I totally ran into my ex who was on a date. Oh, and that's always, oh, it's just always oh. awkward. And I was already pretty drunk because it was kind of late. And I was already, I mean, had, we'd been drinking at least for a couple hours. So I didn't even recognize her. So I was just walking, didn't recognize her. And I was, and then as we got close, and she like cut her hair, did something. And as she got closer, 
she kind of was like trying to do the sneak by with like a side, like a side wave sneaking by. Why you did know, she even bother waving? If I was her, I would have just like not looked at you well, in the face. Yeah, but we were like, well, no, she was literally right in front of me because we were just walking down the street and she was walking the other way, up, you know, up the street. So she could have crossed the road. I would have just pretended I hadn't seen you because I'm so busy looking at my date. Right. That's I mean, how you just do it. It would have been impossible, though, because we were like right. Nah, in... It's amateur. It's amateur what she's doing. Maybe. But amateur. I think what she was trying to do is just sort of be like acknowledge slight wave like hey and then just keep yeah. going and so but then i saw her when i got closer was, uh, you know i recognized her i was like oh hey how are you because I, <laughs> I seriously have no animosity towards any of my exes and if i see and it is yeah. weird encountering them like i i've had some that you know won't even look at me and just kind of like oh. turn their back and just walk away the other side of the uh the you know the show well you are jewish and evil so i don't blame them maybe but i mean for the most part i'm on pretty good terms with all my exes so it's like and it's not Same. like i'm like going to ask them out for coffee i'm just like oh hey how are you good to see you you know like something like yeah. that just pleasantries carry on but so it was definitely when i walked by i'm like hey how are you and she's like oh hey it's good to see you and it's just this awkward oh. exchange and the dude's just kind of standing there and uh danny's like oh hey and she's like oh hi because she never liked danny either and so it was just kind of <laughs> like and so then i'm like well have a good night it's good seeing you you know like like a dad like do you run along now but do you think um, <laughs> do you think that that night all her date heard was like who's that and she's like i'll tell you later and then as Prob- soon as she got probably. there well, it was, was funny. Like, so as we we're like we we're, we were like a block away from the bar we go to, we get in the bar and like Danny's like, "Wow, that was awkward," and the guy's like, "Way better looking you than you and taller." And I was just like, you know, dude, well, that's not hard. I was like, like. <laughs> yeah, I was like, first of all, <laughs> fuck you. Second of all, you know, I actually that didn't bother me because the, the guy was like a tall guy, like looked like an actor, like blonde haired actor type guy, which there's a ton of people like that. And to be honest, that's kind of who I envision her dating, like a guy that looks like that. Right. Like, he's probably an actor or like, you know, or a sports guy or something and he's like tall. But if she was dating like a really Jewy looking Jew, like a Jewier Jew than me, like I'm talking like a Woody Allen, like Seinfeld looking motherfucker, I would have been pissed. Pissed. Yeah, like she's totally got a Jew fetish and she just wants to find a, the Jewiest Jew of all time. I'm yeah, sure this is a Simpsons episode, isn't it? With like Artie Ziff, where she finds another Artie Ziff type man who's even Jewier than Artie. Is that not a Simpsons episode? No, uh, no, I know who you're talking about. It's like when uh, Marge's first boyfriend and that guy was kind of a dick. Yeah, I'm really sure there's a looking. film But that's what I'm talking happens. about. That type of Jew. Like if she was dating a Jew like that, I would have been like, fuck you. Would your wallet have started throbbing really, really hard? Like I just know. I think I would have been more like offended by that than than just like a guy that I would assume she would date. He's got more shekels than me, (laughs) (laughs) or just like you know a bigger hook nose or something. I I would have just been yeah, like that guy's Jewier than me, and this is bullshit. You want to be the only evil Jew in her roster of exes. You just don't want any other Jew. You want to take that as your crown, as your, like she was with me because she liked my bag of diamonds, but now she's moved on. To a bigger bag of diamonds or whatever. I think there's just mm -hmm. the rivalry between two Jews versus like, I don't, I'm not rivaling some Aryan. I mean, he's obviously taller and more, he's got better genes. I'm I'm fine with that. But (laughs) a Jew or Jew, I would have been personally offended by that. So luckily that didn't happen. Got drunk, yeah. ended up uh, taking a lift back, which lift is just a mess now in Hollywood. Lift is a mess, mess everywhere now. Because I think the drivers were like, 
They're making so much money on unemployment that they're like, fuck this. I'm going to drive a bunch of drunk back. assholes around. And so Don't blame them. I was like, I want to I wanna get Taco Bell. Been craving Taco Bell all fucking week. Tried to when, get Taco when Bell. When don't you? Yeah, I don't always crave Taco Bell. It's yeah, just there's right. certain times, especially when you're drunk, then like, and it's like that kind of, that's the time, that's the witching it's hour for Taco food. Bell. Yeah, when it's like, <laughs> this is going to taste great and I'm hungry. And so, yeah, like I, on a Wednesday night, I went to try to go, I was out um, with, a, with like work people having like a happy hour thing. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to get hit the fucking Taco Bell. Why not? And so I was in Burbank. And there's a Taco Bell like a half a like half a mile away. I went over there, like fucking ten cars in the drive-through, and the oh, the shit. restaurant closes at nine. So there's like ten cars in the drive-through. You know, it's gonna take you like forty minutes. I was like, what the fuck? And it was like ten o'clock at night. So I'm like, all right, fuck it. And I was driving back, and I stopped by the one by me. Eleven cars in the drive-through. So I, I just gave up. I was like, I don't care. But anyway, this for night, whom last the night, bell tolls, baby. It's a popular. It's, it's a apparently popular like everybody loves shit Mexican food at ten o'clock at night. So this time I was like, you know what? I'm going to use this new thing that I read about called Taco Mode, which is in Lyft. Like if you're on Lyft, you can click a button. It's Taco Mode, and then you actually get the menu. And you can put your order in. It goes to Lyft. And then the driver gets a notification like, oh, you got to go pick up this guy's order at Taco Bell. What the fuck is this what <laughs> society is descending into? Where you can't like, I don't know. I'm from a totally different world. But if we, with the town I grew up in, if you wanted to go around the McDonald's drive-thru, all you'd have to say to the cabbie is, can we go around the Mackey's drive-thru? And he'd be like, sure. And he'd be like, do you want anything? And usually half the time they're like, ah, get me some chicken nuggets. You get him some chicken nuggets. What is this happening when you're in the back on your fucking phone? You can't even like ask ordering him through human the app. being. Yeah, I'd just be like, "Can hey, I'm paying you for this lift. Can we just like go around Taco Bell? It's on the way. Do you want anything or while like, we're doing it? Or charge an extra six bucks or something while we wait. You know, it's like, I don't mind doing that. Like, I'll give you the yeah. Taco Bell tip. But, but now uh, they're inventing a fucking app I think where you don't I think even have to speak to them. Yeah, but personally, I think it's like a marketing promotional thing or something. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I couldn't even figure it figure out how it works. I was so drunk. I'm like sitting there like, uh, what the fuck? And then finally I'm like, dude, can you, can you go to that Taco Bell up there? And the guy's yeah, just like. Yeah, that's how you know, I would have done it. Indian guy was just like, sure. And he was like, we pull in there. Sure enough, fucking the one on Vine, 12 cars in the drive-thru. And th- this one's like also weird because Vine's a busy street and it's like Vine and Lexington. Lexington's kind of a smaller street right. that intersects. So the way, you, the way it works, and it's obvious the way it works, people know how drive throughs work. You pull into the, the parking lot of the restaurant, there's like a circular kind of path that you take to go order your food and then go pick it up at the window. Are you this, mansplaining a drive-thru no, I'm to just, me? No, I'm like, about to explain <laughs> this particular Taco Bell. Because some right, of them, okay. you don't get the option. You just That's the only way you can pull into the drive-thru. Yeah, it's right a one-way system. This one at Vine's a bit different. So you know you can tell how to queue up properly. It's really obvious because the cars are queued up right before you know the, the half-circle pull-in for the drive-thru. But you can go in the back way if you're a dick. You go in off of Lexington, and then you just cut right in. Like, you pull in the wrong way and then cut into the line. And a lot of people, people are meek. People are, you know, we're just kind of like, oh, I don't I'm going to avoid a confrontation. And they just let the dickheads pull in front of you. It's, it's pretty fucking lame. Like, people get shot over that. In, in, <laughs> in America. In America, yeah. yeah. So anyway, we're in line, maybe two cars in front of me. Some asshole pulls in in, like, a Crown Vic. Do you know what Crown Vic is? 
What's a Crown Vic? Is that just a big American car in my mind? That's kind of a get. Like. Do you know, you, this is what it kind of reminded me of, and that's why I'm going to get to this in a second. You remember the movie? Have you seen the movie Bad Trip with Eric Andre? I have. I have seen Bad so Trip. Remember yes. the the guys like ghetto sister Trina who broke out of prison and she had a car that right. just said "bad bitch" in the back, but it was a <laughs> yeah, pink, my... pink Crown Vic. That's what this one was, but it was a black Crown Vic. It didn't say "bad bitch." Wish it did. But uh, this this person was like trying to cut in front of the car that was two in front of us. And that was being driven by like a, a thicker Latina girl and her boyfriend. And that, that Latina girl was not having it. She was not. She was pulling up, blocking this person. Well, rightfully so. You shouldn't be cutting in front of four cars. You should go around and go the proper way. But this Crown Vic was just like, fuck that. I'm just going to cut in the back. And so she was just like pulling up and the Crown Vic started honking at her. And she was like, she rolled down a window. She's like, fuck you. And the girl in the Crown Vic pulls down her window. She had like tinted windows. And she looked like the chick from Bad from uh, Bad Trip. Oh, shit. Is this two women, two hang- hangry women about hangry to have a fight? ghetto women. Like she oh, had shit. like, yeah, she had her hair and like cornrows. Is wearing like a fucking, uh, like a, I don't know, like a sweatband or something. And, like, oh, a fuck. Black- who's your money on? Uh, probably the, the ghetto black girl. She was big too. And oh, she had know. like I two think... other birds and she had two other birds in her or two other girls like also kind of butchy and ghetto. I think chicks. Latinas, you don't mess around with a Latina when they're well, hungry. This one was like fiery because she she had, yeah. had her boyfriend roll down the window with screaming at him over through the window. And then the, uh, you know, Tarita, like the, 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 the one, the driver of the Crown Vic gets out and was just like, fuck you, bitch, say it to my face and started kicking the driver's side door. And so the Latina girl just jumps out, runs around to go grab at it, like to grab her, engage. And then the boyfriend jumped out and was like holding her back. And yeah, it was like a fucking melee. It was like, like chaos and confusion at the Taco Bell. Meanwhile, now World the line star. isn't moving at all. Because, you know, it's like now we're just blocked because the one car, the driver's trying to fight with the other person. The other person's trying to cut in. So we're not even moving in the in the lane. I could tell my Uber driver was just fucking annoyed. He was just well, looking at me I like, seriously, dude, do you, do you really need to do this for two bean burritos? I mean, I kind of wanted to see how the fight played out. But finally, after like, I don't know, a few minutes and it's Taco Bell security came out and, just, and they're yelling <laughs> at security. And I was just like, you yeah, know, fuck it. I don't care. So no Taco Bell for me. So you, you can get the bill next week. It's like, I'm going to get blind drunk next week. This is our plan for this week. We'll I get, you can get some burritos and I'm going to get wine drunk. But as I was driving home, pissed off, but we were driving home and uh, I was thinking, those are some tough, those are some tough chicks. I bet you mm-hmm. any of those girls probably would have whipped my ass. I probably, and I was trying to put myself in that situation. Like if I was there, would I have let her cut in or would I have been like, fuck you? Probably would have tried to be like, fuck you, but I bet you that one would have, like, the girl that was driving was like a tough chick. Like, it made me think about, um, because we were planning on doing a, a gay pride themed episode, for, and it's the fourth one. Like, this is the end of gay yeah, pride. Yeah, it's been month. a month. It's the only time we've ever done four themed episodes. And so, uh, Kate and I were talking about, what do you want to do? And it's like, well, we haven't covered lesbians yet, like lesbian serial killers or lesbian killers in general. And so I was thinking, like, I wonder how many lesbian, I don't know why, the, the, the girl driving the Crown Vic inspired me at that point. I'm like, I wonder how many lesbian serial killers there are. Yeah, there's quite that a few, many. though. I, there there's are. a few. Like, Eileen Warnos is the first one that comes to mind. But it's, yeah. it's different. So I started looking into it. And this is a good topic. It's a good topic to wrap up Pride Month here on Sick and Wrong. Lethal lesbians. 
lethal you know? lesbians. And uh, so I was looking into it. Just first of all, there's not even that many female serial killers. And the motivation typically for a woman killer is different than a male killer. Not all the time. Of course. But most of the time. Yeah. So I was looking into it. There's a criminologist named uh, Eric Hickey. In 1985, um, he wrote a, he published the first book, like academic paper, not book, but academic paper on female serial killers. So in 1985, no one even had studied female serial killers prior to that. And uh, most of his research on this particular demographic um, kind of carried the assumption that women are incapable of the depravity needed for such horrific crimes. That yeah, someone like a Gacy me. could do. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's kind of, I think the thing is like even the FBI agents at the time were like, there just are no female serial killers. But that's wrong. And so his, his book, or his case, he looked into for this paper, he looked at cases back as, like, as far back as like the 1800s. And so he, and his, his premise is we've always had them. We just didn't acknowledge it. And there's a good chance that they might have even been around longer than male Well, of course they would have. Yeah. You, know, you look at someone like Elizabeth Bathory, you know, yeah. the uh, Hungarian uh, countess. I mean, she tortured and killed hundreds of young girls. That was like, a, what, 16th century? Yeah, I also think Elizabeth Bathory was uh, misunderstood, but we'll, we'll go into that another day. <laughs> she was just trying <laughs> to appear young and beautiful. No, there's more, to this, there's more to the story <laughs> than they, that. We'll cover it one mental. day. Um, but there's a study uh, that was at the um, Radford University um, looking into just killers and how many, like the percentage of female killers versus male. Women account for just over 11% of all cases in the past century. So just 11% compared to men. That yeah. Just, that just shows you um, how prolific we, the male species is at murdering. Uh, but in re- recent de- decades, it's actually become, it's dropped a bit to like 5 to 7%. Wait, actually, no, I, take, I take that back. It's, it's 11% over the past century, but in recent decades, it's gone up because now it's like up to 5, 7% in a decade. So that's definitely, ra- you that's know, it's higher. rising a bit. But, you know, the fact of the matter is there's only a few dozen operating in any given decade as compared to male serial killers where, I mean, just in the 80s, over like 700 killers. You know, that's that there's I mean, I think it's it's just you can't really you can't really compare the two because it's not I don't think it works like that. It doesn't work like that. It's all different circumstances. And yeah, I just don't think you can. You got to look at the samples that, you know, your your study groups here. A lot of women murderesses, you know, they master numbers. They you know, they're smart about it. They're deviant. You know, they're devious about it. So it helps them. You kind of don't know. I mean, how many, uh, maybe they've evaded capture all these years. You, you look at the Black Widows, women, 50% of uh, all female murders are poison. So how many times it's like someone's poisoned and the autopsy's never performed, so you don't even know if it's a, if it's a serial killing. It's a good, do you know what? Poisoning is a good way to kill someone too, because then, you know, your hands are clean and you don't have to be like, you know, chopping up a body in a bathtub and keeping their feet, Jerry Brudo. So you can just be like, yeah, I did that. Scum. Well, exactly, though. Women typically don't butcher. They don't torture. They're quiet killers. They use poison. Yeah, which is, which is scarier. Like exactly. So, but also, it, it sort of obscures how many, the actual data. It's hard to tell, like, well, how many people are, you know, died from serial killings if we haven't even done autopsies. The other thing about women, they tend to kill at home or at work. 
um, which also draws less, less attention. Or if you're Catherine Knight, you do both. <laughs> and I mean, there aren't also there aren't that many women that are spree killers. I mean, there are a few. Yeah. You know, a handful of cases, but I mean, there just really aren't as, as many spree killers as there are among, amongst men. So um, sociologist Amanda Farrell here wrote that women kill on average over longer stretches of time as well. And the motivation is the primary difference here. Difference here. So men, and I'm thinking of like Dahmer, Gacy. Uh, it's all sexual. It's sexual and it's for control. That's typical, and, typically their motivation. And is women for revenge. Revenge it's, against it's everything. It's rare for women to uh, kill for sexual pleasure. Typically, it's revenge or financial. They, yeah. do, it, they do it for money. Um, uh, in 2019... Um, they found that 75% of male killings were sexual, 52% of female killings were financial. Yeah, you know, it, it, good it for seems us. like it's calculated. You know, their <laughs> their women are far more likely to kill people they know. Um, they don't do it. You know, they they do it by like poisoning or or asphyxiation is a common one, like smothering with a pillow. Like kids, older older people. Um, right. 80% of female killers know their victims. Most often, they live or work with them. So it's completely different than like a Jerry Brudos. You know, who yeah, you should, be, you should be scared of the women you live with, man. Because it could just exactly. take one click inside the brain and they're thinking about buying some belladonna and offing you. But this is just purely statistical. Because, I mean, obviously male and female serial killers come in many shades. You look at Eileen Warnos. You know, she shot seven men, point blank range. Spree killer. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that kind of made people think about like, all right, this is a little bit different. And she might be killing for, she might be a killer for control. She might be a killer for revenge. I do think to begin with it was revenge. But then I think after that, it, like the berserker gene definitely took over in her. And she was like, well, it was like a thrill. I'm just going to get, I'm, it was a thrill, definitely. Very rare, though, for female killers. Also a lesbian killer. So yeah, I bet probably you, the I mean, most famous. Look, yeah, but if you look at like, you know, the, the low numbers already of female killings, how many of those are lesbian female killings? Well, I don't know, you gotta quit, cut that into like at least like an eighth of it. So it's even a yeah. smaller number. Um, but uh, Michael Kelleher and uh, C.L. Kelleher uh, wrote a book called Murder Most Rare, the female serial killer. I actually just ordered it off of Amazon. It looks cool. They're, they classify women killers into seven archetypes. Black Widow, Angel of Death, Sexual Predator, which is, which is rare, Revenge, Prophet or Crime, Teen Killer. That's actually kind of fairly common. Oh, yeah, um, the folie uh, du, as yeah. the French call it. And uh, the question of sanity. It's like the mother that kills our, her children. Um, matricide, yeah. No, matricide. Matric matricide. 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 Well, they kill the, yeah, the mother kills yeah. a, a mother. But um, these seven times vary in motivation, choice of victims, weapons, and methods, obviously. So anyway, what Kate and I wanted to do on this show is like, let's find two female serial killers who are also lesbians. Keeping with the theme of Pride Month. So, yeah, or not killers, because mine, mine is a killer, but she's not a serial killer. Okay, mine is a serial she's killer. She's lethal. Yeah, mine's lethal. All right, um, female lesbian killers is what you could yeah. say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd almost say yours is a borderline killer. but She is a killer. We will get into it. I'm well, going to get, get very angry you when I get into You can go right into, uh, into your lesbian killer. Oh, right. Well, I'll go first then. You're very so, impassioned about this one. 
I am very impassionate about this. I'm gonna like, right. First I'll have a little humble brag as the kids say. So I have a joint BA and my joint BA is in contemporary culture and creative writing. Good luck ever having a life with that degree. If anyone ever wants to go to university and study. Culture? Like- contemporary <laughs> culture. It's all like about semiotics and about like, you know, the discourse of like everything in the world, contemporary culture. It's all like Judith Butler and Foku and all that type of people. What yeah, we do on this show, well, what we're doing on this show right now is contemporary culture. Me, I well, got, what I got about a, I got a broadcast I say, communications degree? Yes, yeah, so your degree. But in that was for radio. radio. That was for yeah. radio, and at the time, that was still a career. So, well, contemporary culture is a contemporary culture theorists run this world. Yeah, but that just and... sounds like something that's like, oh, what do you do with that degree? Well, I'm a professor, blah blah blah, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> okay, so but you... I mean, or I can be a podcaster, you... which is what we're doing right now. So. Not a in my contemporary culture theory, this is when I was introduced to this woman. So I have had such a long running hatred. It's probably been 20 years that I have had a long running hatred. So I'm going to get impassioned by, about this. I'm going to try and be a lady, but that's something that Valerie herself could never achieve. So I'm going to not, not going to lower myself to a level. I'm going to keep it cool and calm. This is so the personal. first time, the first time that Andy Warhol met Valerie Solanus, he actually thought that she was a cop. So they first crossed paths in the factory days in 1965. And at that time, she was in her early 30s and she had wangled an invitation to the studio from the photographer, Nat Finkelstein, who's a great photographer. So the factory, oh yeah, I know why you like it. (laughs) So the factory was a combination studio, laboratory, and it was a party room and it was a Mecca. We all know it was a Mecca for the counterculture in New York at that time. And it was attracting every walk of life from like the most beautiful people to other artists, celebrities, actors and musicians. Yeah. And of course it attracted Valerie Solanus, who at the time she was a playwright. Now she wanted to turn over a manuscript of her play, which was called Up My Ass which had the tagline, so female, I'm subversive. I fucking hate her. So was, was she like a radical, like feminist lesbian? I will get into who Valerie thought she was. Uh, so, it, it, people, if you've seen the movie, I shot Andy Warhol. It's actually about her. Yeah. I mean, it's a good movie, actually. I haven't seen it in a long time. I've never seen it. So she was trying to turn this play over to Andy so that he could produce and direct it. And she wanted her 15 minutes of fame, as Andy said. Everyone gets your 15 minutes. But I am getting a little bit ahead of myself. So I'm going to take you all back to the beginning. Valerie was born April the 9th, 1936 in Ventnor City, New Jersey, which I am sure is an ultimate shithole. <laughs> well, she said, yeah, it's got to be. It's, it's in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Her bartending father, he repeatedly sexually abused her throughout her childhood. But the marriage didn't last long between her parents and they divorced and her mother quickly remarried. Valerie hated her new stepfather. She was often truant at school, truant at school. But when she did go to school, she would cause trouble. She would hit fellow classmates. She even hit a nun, which I will admit is pretty cool. But it's probably like the only cool thing that Valerie ever did. And so her mother couldn't cope with her as a child. So then she sent her to live with her booze hound grandparents, but she couldn't cope in that house either. And before long, she was homeless on the streets of Ventnor City, New Jersey at the age of 15. But, you know, I can kind of relate to in a way. She managed to graduate high school, but just before she started university in 1953, she gave birth to a son who was put up for adoption and she never saw him again. And for him, that child, he fucking dodged a bullet. Yeah, I was about to say, that's probably the greatest gift she could give him. 
Yeah, so she went to the University of Maryland and just and there she co-hosted a radio show where she gave advice on how to combat men. It's kind of just like me, I can relate. And it was during this time that she came out as a lesbian, which is really very daring. At the time, homosexuality was still illegal and she's she's a lesbian, which is even like, you know, more daring than coming out and saying be gay. It, what year Completely. Um, this is like in 1953. Wow, yeah, yeah. Valerie was a loner, dotty. She was a rebel. And now she's a lesbian. She soon dropped out of that university, though, and she went to Berkeley for graduate school. She didn't last long there either, but it was in Berkeley where she began to write her magnum opus, The Scum Manifesto, which is how you might know of her. So scum... That sounds familiar. ...stands for the Society for Cutting Up Men, and Valerie was and is and has been the only member of the gang. So the opening lines of the scum manifesto go as follows. Life in this society, being at best an utter bore and no aspect of society being at all relevant to women, there remains to civic-minded, responsible, frill-seeking females only to overthrow the government, eliminate the money system, institute complete automation, and eliminate the male sex. She wants a clam party, dude. Yeah, she doesn't wow, want no sausage. It's like that, uh, yeah. you've heard that comic series, Why the Last Man? No, I've never, is, is that about the last man on earth or something? Kind of. It's like this guy was like an astronaut or something. And so he was like in space doing something. While he's in space, a virus broke out. Questionable origin of the virus, but it killed all the Y chromosome people. So oh. I, all men were dead. And it was just pretty much now earth was just women. And so they get they had different societies. Some women were just like, we needed this to happen for society to move forward. And so anyway, he comes back and he's got like a monkey little pal, and he comes back and everything's weird. But it's just about it, him, yeah, being in uh, adjusting his life. But it's I was about to say, like is that. it is it death by snoo snoo for him? <laughs> More or less. <laughs> <laughs> So by the 1960s, after she'd dropped out of uni, she was now living in New York. She was supporting herself mainly through begging and prostitution. And in 1965, that was when she wrote her Up Up Your Ass play, which is about a young prostitute who is a man-hating hustler and panhandler who ends up killing men. And um, one critic that wasn't Warhol called it rather adolescent and contrived. (laughs) So... Well, it sounds like it's, night- it's coming from like uh, you know her own personal story here, very uh, autobiographical. Well, yeah, even though she said it wasn't based on anything, it's like uh, fuck off, Valerie. Yeah. Wish fulfillment. So now. Because of all these people, she started to bother Warhol to produce the play. And Andy thought it was so pornographic that it must have been a police trap. But he did give her a compliment. He did say that it was very well-typed. A few (laughs) weeks passed. Yeah, (laughs) well-typed. So bitchy. And Valerie contacted Warhol again about the script. And he claimed it was lost, which it was. And the studio, the factory, it was chaos. And also Andy had a particular habit of, he had these things he called his collections. So once a month he would fill a box filled with like all his new newspaper fragments, you know, like stickers, cans, whatever. It was kind of like his little hearts. And then he would seal that box and he would put it in a room. So this is where they eventually found one of her manuscripts like 20 years later. So he he just put it in one of his boxes. So he he had lost his manuscript. She demanded payment for the lost work. Warhol, he offered her a typist job, which is so catty. I love it. 
and 25 quid, 25 books even, to appear in one of his underground films. And she did. She appeared in one of his films. And then Wasn't she appeared kind of again. kind of what she wanted? I mean, it sounds like she's such a hanger on. You know, I think she's yeah, a Yeah, she's a total hanger yeah. on. And then she appeared in another one of his films, Bike Boy, in 1967, which I have seen. I saw that at um, an Andy Warhol exhibit down in London. It's really good. So she was at this time also trying to get him to promote scum. And she even wrote him a letter in mid-67 if he would like to join the uh, men's auxiliary, which is the group of sympathetic men who were, according to the manifesto, working diligently to eliminate themselves. She's <laughs> off a rocker. <laughs> mental she is and she hadn't forgotten about the lost script and she was like completely obsessing over it she was bringing it up to the point where she would scream down the phone to warhol daily until he just like stopped taking her calls who can blame him was she banned she knew, from the factory yeah she knew andy would frequently steal ideas she was worried about this and um she'd also nearly previously lost the scum manifesto to another male agent so she is like banned from the factory now and her paranoia is through the roof. So this is when things are going to get to a head. On July the 3rd, on June the 3rd, sorry, 1968, she showed up at Warhol's new office at 33 Union Square West. So he had moved from where the factory originally was in Midtown to more upscale digs earlier that year because he was a paranoid mess due to frequent dr drug raids. Yeah, for like uh, he was on like sex. a lot of uh, uh, amphetamines, wasn't he? Yeah, and there's like sex and drugs and rock and roll. People like take for granted how square things were at the time. And this was a total revolution. You know, it's still early 60s. It was like start of the hippie movement was this. So Paul Morrissey, who's a well-known um, artist from the factory and a director, he was there and Valerie showed up and he tried to make Valerie leave because she, he hated her. She knew 86. that she was trouble. Yeah. yeah. But she insisted on staying and eventually like Andy showed up. So Andy's a nice guy. He complimented Valerie on her appearance because she was wearing full makeup and she had a dress on, which is very rare for Valerie. You know, she'd brushed her hair. And so as they're having a little chit chat, the phone rang. And so Andy turned around and answered. And as he did that, she got her 32 Beretta from out of her handbag and she fired at him three times. Ooh. So the First two shots missed, but the last bullet hit him and it went through his right armpit and it went, the course of the bullet traveled through his lungs, spleen, liver, and esophagus before exiting out his right lung. Andy would later describe the sensation as cherry bombs exploding inside of me. She then turned around and fired from the hip and she shot London art critic Mario Amia and she grazed him before she raised the gun to shoot Andy's manager, Fred Hughes, in the head. But the gun jammed. Fred Hughes, he's such a cool cat. He just calmly told her to leave, which she did. And she, <laughs> <No one laughs> and tried she to tackle her and disarm her? He just told her, he's such a cool cat, and just told her to leave. And she put hey, down a paper bag. Mellow. You gotta oh, go. <laughs> you gotta go, man. baby. But they like so kind of, well, no, they weren't beat, but they're more like hipper than that. Yeah, way hipper. But, you know, yeah, because this is about style. 10 years yeah, after 10 years the beat later. movement. So earlier on in that day, Valerie had actually gone round to a friend's house, had threatened the same friend with the same gun and said to them that you will produce the play because I'm going to shoot Andy Warhol and that will make me famous. It's going to make the play famous and then you'll produce it. 
So the friend had tried to contact Warhol and the police, but had been laughed off the line by the donut eating cops of like the 1960s NYPD. They're not going to go and like be like, hey, Andy, are you okay? Yeah, they probably so, also were just like, uh, we don't really care if that guy's dead. No. Andy, he actually was declared dead at one point. He never fully recovered from his injuries. And those close to him said that the incident completely changed him and made him even weirder. Uh, he spent be more paranoid, neurotic. Oh, yeah. He spent two months in the hospital recovering. He had to wear a surgical corset for the rest of his life. The, en the mental anguish obviously lingered as well. And he said, since I was shot, everything is such a dream to me. I don't know what anything is about. And near the end of 1968, he said, like, I don't even know whether or not I'm really alive or whether I died. It's sad. And then um, another factory go-getter called Billy Name, who was also a great artist in his own right. He said it was the cardboard Andy, not the Andy I could love and play with. He was so sensitized. You couldn't put your hand on him without him jumping. I couldn't even love him anymore because it hurt him so much to touch him. Which is really sad. Poor Andy. Like he lived the rest of his life in complete and utter fear because of Valerie. So she turned herself in that day and she was sent to Bellevue Hospital after she was declaring to the police. It's not often that I shoot somebody. I didn't do it for nothing, though. Warhol had tied me up, lock, stock and barrel. He was going to do something to me which would have ruined me. I was right in what I did. I have nothing to regret. You no, she bitch. is mental. But at the same time, I question like... Yeah, they maybe they, they. I'm sure her lawyers tried to plead like schizophrenia or something like that, or bipolar disorder, or something, or borderline they personality. Did. But I question that because her motivation is purely financial. I mean, she was like, she exactly. was a, a profit, a profit crime killer. Like she was trying to do this because she knew and this premeditated. She knew if she shot him, she'd get the publicity and the controversy to make her shitty play. Exactly. And they did. She was declared a paranoid schizophrenic, but yeah, exactly. that was in the January of 69. But by June, they were like, this is the wrong diagnosis. She's actually kind of fine. And she pleaded guilty to the charges and she only served three fucking years. She was released in 71. And after she was released, she continued to stalk Warhol over factory members. She would harass them by phone day and night until she was arrested for that in November of the same year. And then after she came out of prison that second time, she just kind of drifted off back into obscurity. She often said that she had wished she, she had seen her murderous deed through. And she said, I consider it immoral that I had missed. I should have done target practice. She thankfully died oh, in a flop soul. house. Yeah, in the Tenderloin, which is where she, people like this should Francisco? end up. Yep, in oh, wow. 1988 at the age of 52. So after the shooting, like you were saying, Andy, he grew an intense fear of hospitals. And this would actually produce lethal results. And he died on February the 21st, 1987 of cardiac arrest after he'd had minor gallbladder surgery. It was a routine operation that he'd been putting off for around three years because of his fear. So, but Andy did get his wish that he had died earlier because now he was over the trauma of the whole event. So Valerie's scum manifesto, I'm going to have a little rant about this, which is now world famous with some idiotic oh, feminists declaring it, it a masterpiece. Yeah. And there's even bigger idiots who declare that Scum Manifesto is the first written work on queer theory. Right. It doesn't take more than a cursory glance, D. Simon, to see how unreadable and undefined the Scum Manifesto is. <laughs> Never read it, but I can imagine that. 
Oh my God. Early feminists may have had like radical leanings, but her ideas endorse a political utopianism. It's more extreme than any of her contemporaries. She said that men corrupt all human institutions, including money, art, culture. She said that men define great art as themselves and the only proper form of retribution would be to annihilate all men so they can get away from any form of sexual subservience as a woman. She's basically stating we need a mass genocide of all the males and that's the only way that the world will ever, ever improve because it's men who are like ruining this. And she's also no means the originator of queer theory in any way whatsoever. The originator of queer, queer theory. theory maybe. maybe, yeah. But we have the punk philosopher Michelle Foucault to think about that, whose original ideas that sexuality is a social construct social construct they were fleshed out in the late 80s and early 90s by contemporary culture theorists such as like Judith Butler and Adrian Rich and not Valerie fucking Solanus. But the only good thing to have come out of this whole situation is information passed down to me from a fellow purveyor of filth, um, a man by the name of Bobby, who has informed me that there's actually an amateur porn star. She's on Twitter, who goes by the name Cum Manifesto. And that's Cum the manifesto. best use. Cum Manifesto. Name. Exactly. And that's the best use of the Scum Manifesto that I could ever ask for. Fuck you, Valerie Solanus. I am <laughs> fucking glad you are dead. Interesting uh, uh, story here. However, I question whether she is a true lethal lesbian because she didn't even, she really well, didn't she kill did. anybody. She, she would have killed. She indirectly killed, to go for Andy Warhol, who's himself a homosexual man. And like, I know there's like lots of like up in the air things about Andy Warhol, but I think Andy Warhol was a very, you know, he was definitely on the spectrum. He was asexual. He never did anything to, outright hurt anyone he did not um, deserve to be shot people's livelihoods but yeah no no he didn't he's an well, artist he changed I, I, okay, art. he borrowed ideas we could he say borrowed that. ideas but that's like <laughs> the entire point of art isn't it to like take the old and make it new i love andy Warhol, and i do not think that in any realm whatsoever did he deserve shot no, I definitely people don't who worship valerie solanus are fucking idiots however and- i question if she's a lesbian killer put it that way i think she was attempted a lesbian attempted killer whereas she's my two lesbians lesbian. are serial killers straight well, up mine serial killers lesbian. tell They've- me about your serial killer lesbians gwendolyn graham Kathy Wood, serial killer nurses from Michigan, happened in 1988, late 80s. These girls, I don't even think Valerie could even stand a chance next to these two. <laughs> I mean, she'd, I get, well, I don't think she'd miss with uh, Kathy Wood. Kathy Wood, like, weighed up over 400 pounds. So oh my God, what a She'd probably have been an easier target. Wow. Um, but the other one was definitely lethal. Gwendolyn Graham, uh, born August 6, 1963. Kathy Wood, born uh, March 7th, 1962, are two American lesbian serial killers. Uh, convicted of killing five elderly women in Walker, Michigan, which is a suburb of Grand Rapids in the 80s. Um, they commit their crimes in the Alpine Manor nursing home where they both worked as nurses aides. So they're definitely in the angel of death category. Are they lesbian lovers with each other? Yeah. So what happened? Oh my God. They're both, uh, Gwendolyn Graham. She moved to Michigan 1986 and she started working as a nurse's aide at the Alpine, uh, nursing home, um, Grand Rapids. And so she met her immediate superior who she, her supervisor was 24 year old Kathy Wood. Um, Kathy Wood uh, was uh, was married at the time, 
And uh, she had ballooned up to 450 pounds when her seven-year marriage ended. Uh, So she was alone and friendless in Grand Rapids at the time. I think that's like about 27 stone for the metric crew. Maybe, but I think it's like average in Michigan. Um, Anyway, so so Gwendolyn moves there, meets Kathy Wood, her supervisor, who's a sod buster, and she's lonely, just got out of the marriage. Um, So she ended up, uh, their friendship took off. They, you know, they, uh, they, they, they really connected, um, and soon it crossed the line into a lesbian affair. Did they eat tuna sandwiches for lunch? That's what you're saying. I'm sure that was very common. Yeah. <laughs> um, Wood started dieting the pounds away, and uh, she started enjoying this new social life of gay bars, parties, casual sex. But her chief devotion was to Gwendolyn Graham. Though by late 1986. Um, both women had plunged undying love for one another. It was oh, around wow. that time, like this towards the late 80s, that uh, Gwen brought up the subject of murder. But her lover was just like, oh, oh, come on, you're just playing with me. So I don't think Kathy took her seriously. During sex, Gwen would get a bit rough. She got a kick from tying Kathy down, choking her, or covering her face with a pillow until she trembled on the verge of blacking out. What do they call that when they uh, when you choke yourself? A weird wanking. Yes, yeah, weird wanking. But I thought there's like the game where you choke yourself till you pass out. Um, Kathy would sometimes complain about the game, but uh, Gwen, Gwen would get really upset. So she just kind of tended to keep it quiet and was just like, just deal with it. You know, I'll be good giving game, even though I'm kind of uncomfortable with this. Um, right. But soon they they kind of started equating pain and pleasure. I mean, Gwen definitely did, but so did Kathy. You know, it's like they started enjoying this. So this is when the homicides started happening. Only about a three-month period here at the uh, the old age home. Gwen's first plan, she called it the murder game. Sort of fell through because her selected targets, you know, were probably like, I don't know, early stages of Alzheimer's. So they managed to like put up a fight that they couldn't just smother him with a pillow. So it didn't really pan out. Um, but, you know, despite having trying, you know, attempting to murder like six patients you know there are really no complaints on either one of them you know they're both well liked by uh, all their uh, their colleagues so no one really would have thought like what was about to happen no one would have predicted what was about to happen so okay january 1987 that's when uh graham was like we gotta step up the game we gotta choose our victims a little bit better not the ones that are still spry and physically active Let's get the invalids. So uh, they entered the room of a woman who had advanced stage Alzheimer's. She was too incapacitated to even fight back and thus became the the, the first victim of the pair. So uh, Kathy just kind of stood on the lookout so she could watch the other nurses, like the nurse station, and uh, make sure no one's kind of coming over. And if people did come close, she would kind of divert the members of the staff while Graham was in there just – Snuffing out her victims. Well, with a washcloth usually. Just right pressed across the nose and mouth. And sometimes the sheer excitement of the killing was so much that they immediately went into an empty room for sex while the memories are still fresh. I was about to ask, was she was she wanking herself off as she's killing them? Oh, they were sounds, totally she's horny. They she were is horny off. for this. They said uh, one of the uh, their fresh victims, as they were preparing the corpse for burial, the, the, the woman that they just dispatched, um, she just like lifts up her skirt and they just start going at it, scissoring right on the floor. Yeah, that, I mean, <laughs> this, this is hot. Yeah, they're into it. But now they had a horrible secret. 
that they could that they were sure that they'd never be able to leave each other because now they murdered someone. Yeah, they have something a bond, an unbreakable bond. So over the next few months, next four months, four more patients were murdered. Many of the victims God, ages one ranged, a month. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ages ranged from like 65 to 97, all incapacitated and uh, suffered from Alzheimer's. And so Graham was like, let's, let's turn this into a game. So she chose victims whose initials collectively spelled murder, M-U-R-D-E-R. Oh, my she, God, I quite like that. <laughs> she also took souvenirs from the victims, keeping them to relive the deaths, as most serial killers do. She's a killer, yeah. But when that became difficult... Uh, they began counting each murder as a day, as in the phrase, I will love you forever and a day. Oh, my God. It's heartfelt and romantic. This is something like even I think Ian Brady would have been impressed by this. Oh, I like, think it's, it's. Yeah, no, I mean, it's. Devious. Yeah. And then meanwhile, you know, they're getting so turned on. They're scissoring in front of these. I mean, they could have scissored in front of the patients anyways. They have Alzheimer's and wouldn't know what was going on. I definitely wouldn't be surprised if she was diddling the people as they died. Yeah, like some kind of like Completely. disgusting yeah. threesome. Um, both women openly bragged about smothering the victims to their coworkers. Talked about it all the time. Graham would even show off souvenirs like brooches. And Wait, what? And the, confiscate everyone in the everyone in the nursing home was like, "Oh, these jokes." Yeah, they just <laughs> thought they were jokes. gloating, and no one took the murder seriously. Like, no one what? was like, "Yeah, right." Like, come on. I guess they thought they were joking. Uh, but by April 1987, the honeymoon sort of ended for Wood and Graham. At this point, uh, or did they get lesbian deathbed syndrome? Well, Graham was trying to get Kathy to to start doing the killing, and she'll and she'll stand watch. But Kathy just balked at personally killing anyone to prove her love. And so Graham was just was pretty upset about it because she was like, I want you to prove your love to me and you kill someone. You kill the next victim. And Kathy refused. She said she'd stand right. lookout and she'd have sex with her, but she's not going to um, she's not going to kill, kill anyone. Yeah. It's a line she won't cross. That was that was the line. And so at that time, I think Gwen sort of lost interest. It definitely killed the uh, their sapphic bond. And so Gren started hanging out with a new nurse's aide named Heather Berger, another oh, lesbian. Oh, no. And ultimately, they left together and ran off to Texas, leaving Kathy alone again. And heartbroken. In Texas, Graham and Berger start working at a hospital taking care of infants now, which I'm sure oh, she's no. so much more compassionate towards infants than old people. So he um, tells me she won't be, Dee. <laughs> <laughs> so all the details of the of the murders and the whole court proceedings all came to uh, came to account because from uh, Kathy Wood. So Kathy Wood completely testified against Graham. So she she pled for a lesser crime, lesser charges uh, by just completely um, testifying against Graham. Uh, however, and this is kind of interesting, Wood's accounts and her portrayal as Graham's pawn, like she was manipulated by Graham. You know the powerful. Yeah, this is like Eileen Warnos's girlfriend. It's like you know that they she knew more. She's such well, a liar. Um, the her accounts were brought into question by a, a a book called Forever in Five Days, a true crime book written by a Lowell Coffel. I don't know him, but he yeah he was claiming that Wood might have been the mastermind here, and oh. he has claims he has evidence about it. So Wood in court testified that Graham took these souvenirs 
keeping them to relive the deaths. However, they never found any of these souvenirs, as she said. Like, they looked, they never did. Uh, Wood also portrayed Graham as being sexually, physically, and emotionally dominant in their relationship. But this book posed the question that the roles might have been reversed. I'm going to get this book. That sounds sounds interesting. interesting. Um, So the murder investigation began in 1988 after after Kathy Wood, who confessed everything to her ex-husband... Told him told about all the murders. He went to police. He went to the police and was like, "You got to do something about this." Um, so detectives ended up, uh, you know, questioning Kathy Witness in, in this series of interviews. She obviously was culpable because she was an accomplice, but she, you know, testified against, uh, uh, basically snitched out uh, Graham so she can get a lesser charge here. Uh, she claimed Graham was the mastermind, the hands-on killer. She said she never killed anybody. Um, they exhumed a couple of the bodies that were not cremated, but none of none, during this whole time, while these bodies were, uh, were people were being murdered, they didn't do an autopsy because it's like it's a ninety-year-old person who had Alzheimer's. Of course, yeah. You know, and it's not like there are any strangulation marks or anything. She was just kind of smothering her with a washcloth. Um, but so when they did these medical exams on the exhumed corpses, it failed to reveal any physical evidence of uh, homicide, which isn't unusual, as I was saying, in a smothering case. Uh, but. Due to Woods' interviews, she given the police. Given to the police, the medical examiner's like, "Yeah, sure, it's a homicide," you know, because that's what she's already uh, corroborating that. Uh, so warrants re- were issued for both. They're both arrested. Um, Graham uh, Wood was apprehended in uh, Michigan. Graham was apprehended in Texas. During the trial, she plea bargained for reduced sentence, and uh, she said that she was. She testified that um, it was Graham you know, who uh, was, was in charge and masterminded the, uh, the killings. Whereas Graham said, no, I was, the, I was a victim of a, an elaborate mind game from Kathy. So they're both pointing fingers at each other. Uh, no yeah, that's bond kinda... here between these lesbians. No, but that's kind of typical though, isn't it? There's always, they always turn their backs on each other. Very rarely do they never turn their backs on each other. Well, what's interesting, despite the lack of physical evidence here, the jury was swayed by the testimony of Graham's new girlfriend, Heather Barrett, oh. she said that Graham confessed to the five killings. Right, yeah. and that's all they needed. And Kathy Wood also at the trial said she she was plagued with guilt over the killings, but was scared of Graham and what and uh, the consequences, the repercussions if she went to the police. So um, she also claimed that Graham uh, threatened to kill her if she ever told authorities. So this is a quote in the uh, in that murder most rare female serial killer book. Kathy Wood said, when she, Graham, was killing people at Alpine, I didn't do anything. That was bad enough. But when she would call me and say how she wanted to smash a baby, I had to stop her. I knew she was working in a hospital uh, in Texas. She said she wanted to take one of the babies and smash it up against a window. I had to do something. I didn't care about myself anymore. A window, a wall would be more effective. Yeah, I was about and to more, say she kind and of more pleasure, uh, <laughs> and more pleasurable. Don't, don't you like have winking fantasies of smashing a baby against the wall? I just think it would be fun to take a baby by the ankle and just like smash it against a wall. I'm sorry, it would be fun. <laughs> like it just I, would wait, be. Wait, okay. When you were talking about, it, I thought you said you get a massive wide on whenever you think no. about smashing a baby against a wall. You put those words in my I mouth d- when we were talking about it. I have it. a photographic memory and uh, <laughs> I swear 
That's what I. Uh, that's what I heard. That, that's obviously what you wank over is thoughts of me killing a baby <laughs> against a wall. But I'm just saying it would be fun. But it's fun smashing anything into a wall, isn't well, it? You and the psychotic lesbian both would find that fun. I'm not saying I'm going to do it. I just think it would be fun. <laughs> All right, easy white on. On November 3rd, 1989, Graham was found guilty of five counts of murder, one count of conspiracy to commit murder. Court gave her five life sentences, and she's currently in prison in the Women's Huron Valley Correctional Facility in Pittsfield Charter Township, Michigan. Would, Something however, tells me that she is going to do just fine in jail. Oh, I think she's, I think she's enjoying herself. <laughs> I think it's the best place to send her. <laughs> Wood was charged with one count of second-degree murder and one count of conspiracy to commit second-degree murder. She was sentenced to 20 years on each count um, and has been eligible for parole since March 2nd, 2005. Currently, she's incarcerated in Tallahassee, Florida, expected to be released June 6, 2021. Oh, shit. So she's about to come she's back into the waiting out. world. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Shit. After well, like... actually, no, I guess she's been out June 6. So, oh shit! Yeah, yeah, she got out this month. Ooh, we yeah, should so do a try and find her. Try, try and, to ask her about this. We should try and get her on the show and ask her how she makes tuna sandwiches. So, in that book I mentioned, "Forever in Five Days," um, the author describes Wood as a coercive and seductive pathological liar who took delight in wreaking havoc in the lives of others. Um, she said that uh, she planned the first murder after she found Graham with another woman. Uh, She involved Graham as an insurance policy to keep her from ever leaving her. That's why they killed killed the first person. And when Graham left her anyway with that nurse's aide, Heather, um, after the killings, the maniacal Wood was willing to put herself in legal jeopardy by disclosing to police what happened, basically out of revenge. So the book, this guy's book, is completely claiming like the, the, the opposite of what actually came up, played out in court. It says Wood is the psychopath, the criminal mastermind, who uh, manipulated the prosecutor and the jury to punish Graham. And uh, Graham, psychological testing revealed that Graham could be easily manipulated. She suffered from borderline personality. She lacked the sophistication to plan any kind of killings. And uh, that's, that's what the, the defense said, but no one believed it. Partially because of Gwen's girlfriend. So, I mean... I don't know. It could also make sense. So when she's asking Caffrey to kill, it could have been a, well, I've been doing this. Now it's your turn so that we are totally in cahoots together. And it could also explain why she also up sticks and went halfway across the country because she was probably, that's the only way that's going to break. Break her connection. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, is to go halfway across. So I can totally see it. I'm going to get this book. Sounds really interesting. Uh, Several of the victims' families sued the owners of Alpine Manor of her hiring dangerous and unbalanced employees. Yeah, definitely no background checks going on over there with their HR team. Um, They're out of business, but now it's a new nursing home. Well, not really new, but a couple decades old called uh, Sanctuary at St. Mary's. So what's interesting here about female serial killers, sure, they kill for different, there's, you know, the seven different archetypes, there's different motivations, but the victims are still dead. You know, they're still yeah. killing people, you know, and it's kind of funny that uh, in one of the uh, in that the book uh, about female serial killers, they claim that a lot of female serial killers are patronized with kind of like almost like humorous nicknames like Jolly Jane uh, Topan, you know, who is the <laughs> giggling granny. 
As oh, the Gigan and Granny. Yeah, like yeah. They, they have names like that. They're kind of lighthearted as opposed to like BTK, you know, Bind, Torture, Kill or Jack the Ripper or something. You know, those those sound really ominous. Whereas like the Giggling Granny. Sure. She's killing a lot of people, but she's fun. She's giggling. <laughs> she, she does she's, it. Yeah, she's giggling. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, and here's the takeaway is women can kill too. And it's a deadly mistake to think that they can't. I agree. So it is true. Um, one interesting thing about Gwendolyn and uh, Kathy Wood, if if you're a fan of the American Horror Story franchise, I think Ugh. it was the uh, the Roanoke season. But in the Roanoke season, they kind of had two characters loosely based on Kathy and uh, Gwendolyn that were murdering victims in a, at an elderly home and then like spelling out their the na- the letters in the wall. It's kind of well, cool Valerie- that they would reference them. Valerie Solanas was also featured, um, played by that cunt, uh, Leonard Dunham. She was also what? in when American Horror Story. Oh, I don't Horror know Story? because I do not watch American Horror Story. Please, no, nobody even try and get at me That's about not watching American show. Horror Story. It's awful. It it's terrible. And I don't want to partake. But Vala- Valerie Solanas was was like used as inspiration. God, do you think Valerie Solanas would have been just completely offended when she found out that Leonard Dunham is playing her? No, she probably would have liked it. She'd been like, but it should be me. I should be the famous one. <laughs> you know, in the movie I shot Andy Warhol, I actually kind of like the actress, uh, Lily Taylor, who played Val- Valerie Solana. Oh, I'm she's Lily. great. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. Lily Taylor. That's yeah, a she's a good, good actress. Movie, actually. Yeah, um, maybe I'll watch it one yeah, day. Yeah, what, what got... it came out in uh, 1996, mid-90s movie. Yeah. I've, anyway, I've there you go, people. <laughs> Lethal lesbians. It's episode 797 here at Sick and Wrong. Got some news stories coming up next. But first, here's a word about our Patreon page. Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners. If you're not currently a Sick and Wrong patron, you might be missing out on special moments like this one. So before you've actually penetrated her with your Johnson, you're going to just rub the tip, the head, the glands of your shaft around her outer labia and over her clitoris. And you're just gonna tease her by saying things like, oh, I don't even know if I should even put it in today. I don't even know if you just, I don't even know if you deserve <laughs> Put it in today? Like, like what, I'm today. a fucking microwave. Just up like that and then. Wait, 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 wait. So you're supposed to rub your dick up and down her pussy and on her club be like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to put this in. I don't know. Today. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe if yeah. you play your cards right, Missy, you might get this <laughs> cock inside of you, okay? But for now, I'm just going to rub it on the outside, all right? Oh, my God. This guy. <laughs> How annoyed would you be? I'd just be like, put it in today. I'd be like, oh, well, give me, shoot me an email when you're ready to put it in. <laughs> for only $5 a month. You can enjoy these special moments. A bonus news story, extra phone calls, and an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. But don't you ever think of- So first story we have here, um, I'm pretty sure we covered it. Pretty sure we covered this when it actually happened in 2012. But it's cool. finally in trial now, which is bizarre to me. Almost 10 That's years. That's a long time. Almost 10 years. So I feel like we're going to revisit it because there's a, you know, more details coming out. So people might remember this one. Teen, allegedly killed by dad over fetish photos, didn't want to visit him in the first place, according to friends testifying at the trial. 
So this 13-year-old boy was killed by his Colorado father after finding his twisted fetish photos. He didn't want to visit his depraved dad um, during a court-mandated Thanksgiving trip in 2012. Oh, shit. Yeah, so there's the trial right now of Mark Redwine, uh, the killer father here. Um, During testimony, uh, he's charged with second-degree murder and child abuse, resulting in the 2012 death of his 13-year-old son, Dylan, uh, testimony included accounts from the boy's friends who said that the father, Mark Redwine, planned to get, um, he, re- he planned to kill the boy because he found out that he wanted to get out of his, uh, his home as soon as possible. But he also had found some rather incriminating photos, which I'm going to get to in a second. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about uh, these photos. Um, one of the victim's uh, friends here who testified in court says, I remember like it was yesterday, said Joseph uh, Sabalos. Um, he said he hung out with a boy in Colorado Springs the night before the mother took him to the airport to go visit his father for Thanksgiving, November 18th, 2012. As Dylan, the victim, flew to Durango, Colorado for a court-ordered visit to the father. So they must have had joint custody. And so he had, maybe they choose or they decide which holidays to go hang out. I would yeah. be like, you know, that's the one thing I've always, often wondered, like, would I stay with my mom or would I stay with my dad? I mean, I don't think... Obviously, my circumstance, I wouldn't have had a chance to stay with my mom. But my dad was great. He was like, he never, he didn't give a shit about anything. Like, I I could come and go, you know, I'd do whatever I want. I think my dad would have been like just hanging out with, uh, I mean, he did his own thing. But there was no, there would have been no rules. Whereas I think if my mother, um, my mother, I think would have imposed rules. I think she would have been like, you can't go out to like four in the morning on like a Wednesday night. I think that's pretty typical, though. I think it's always the the mums who are watching it. I would have stayed with mum, but I definitely would have loved going for weekends at Drunk Dads. Yeah, I think some some kids though are just kind of like, my dad's a fucking dick. Like we did that story. Yeah. We did that story. Was that on the was on the news last week? Where it's like the dad owed child support, and on his last payment, when his daughter was <sighs> like eighteen, he dumped a truckload full of pennies. To pay your like, I don't know, the last twelve hundred dollars or whatever. So, Keep proving guy. me right, Gary. Keep proving <laughs> the divorce like, right. So I think th- I think it depends on the circumstance. In this situation, if I was this kid and I found the photos of my dad that I'm about to describe, I like I'm teasing him. If I found the photos that I was about to describe, I would be like, "Fuck that! I am not going to that pervert's house." I would, yeah, I wouldn't either. I want you to describe these photos. Get to it. So as Dylan was flying to the uh, court-ordered visit, he sent his friend a picture of the plane, and he wrote, what now, question mark, which is cryptic. It's cryptic. It is cryptic. You know, uh, the recipient, his friend Joseph, said this text reflected Dylan's dread of being made to go to his father's home for Thanksgiving. He said his dad hated his father, didn't want to go over there, or the, the kid hated his father, didn't want to go over there. Um, he said he was like, I could see fear inside of his eyes. Sabala said this. He was 12 at the time. Um, however, the public defender here uh, suggested an alternative explanation for this what now text. As he was questioning Sabalos, he said, you know, maybe he was apprehensive about the flight being canceled. So what now? How does he get there now? How do you know? He's dreading this encounter with his father. No, he's not dreading the flight being cancelled. Because if he was, then he'd be like, shit, the flight's cancelled. What now? He's dreading the fact that he has to fucking go. To the pervert's home. 
yeah, it's pretty obvious he's dreading like what now? Fuck, I'm about to get on this plane. What's and obviously happen? his best friends would know, you know, his feelings. And his his feelings. Yeah. And yeah, this is a friend that he just spent all last night with as well. So a day after he got that what now text, Dylan was reported missing from his father's uh, Durango, Colorado home. And Sabalo said he feared the worst. He goes, I was in tears. I had a sick feeling in my stomach. I completely broke down. Uh, prosecutors are saying that on that Monday, Redwine, who was 60 at the time, the dad, flew into a violent rage when Dylan found compromising photos of him eating feces from a diaper while wearing women's underwear. And he what? mentioned the photos to the dad. They think he mentioned the photos to the dad when he was killed. Like he brought it up with his dad. Eating whose shit? His That's shit. That's my question. Whose feces was he eating? It was got to be his shit. Do you think so? Well, where else do you get shit from? Like, you, you know, like you have to like order it? Yeah. And was he, did he, okay, did he do, was he wearing the diaper, shit in the diaper, and then he took shit it off, in the and diaper, then ate it? And then ate it while wearing women's underwear. I think that's what he must have done. Either that or like it's Colorado, he can maybe go out and get animal feces. But that's no that's not gonna taste as good as maybe your own feces. Oh, it's making my stomach feel <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it's gonna taste good. Um yeah, I don't, wait, wait, know, wait. I don't know. Also, how did right, so he's looking at like what Polaroid pictures. Yeah, probably. how does he know it's feces and not like Nutella, like in a jackass skit or something? How does he know it's not pudding maybe as you guys could, call maybe it? Maybe you could see the texture. It was a log. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe maybe there was like texture. But I'm wondering, like, was he just scooping it out with his hands like a caveman? Or was he just what? eating it with like a spoon? I think if you're going to go that full disgusting, it's going to be all over your face. You're going to have no decorum because you would put it on a plate and use china if you're going to be Ooh, nice about it. I think the fact it. that you run out of a diaper bowl, it's like a bread bowl. Uh, you ever have those sour, must... <laughs> sourdough bread bowls with clam chowder? Please, please do not put me off clam chowder or bread bowls or anything. Don't go there. <laughs> this is like a diaper hey. bread bowl. Um, this is disgusting. <laughs> I guess the thing is, a very it's a very specific fetish, that's for sure. It's complete. It's like, whoa, it's specific. How has he gotten to that point in his life where he's like, this is what I like. This is what I must do to create a boner and come. It's like, what has happened to you and your sexual awakening, man, to get to this? <laughs> um, I guess that's a question for Harrison. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I don't. He. This is like far beyond what he would be into. Yeah. Um, but let's say you found you were like you know hanging out at drunk dads, and you went in his nightstand, and you found like a bag containing a bunch of these pictures of him wearing like your mom's underwear, eating a bunch of shit out of a diaper. Would you? say something to him or would nope. you use this for blackmail for extortion i would i would use it for blackmail i'd be like i never want to come to your house again and i want you to pay me like a grand a month that's what i was thinking until i'm 18 yeah that's what i was thinking i would probably be like yeah i that's think i, I might uh I, you know i'm feeling kind of broke dad how about 500 dollars? how about the uh you know the new playstation dad i want a car the you know, new PS5, like, Dad. I yeah. wanted to give it about, to you me. You know, PS5 is a really good would, diaper shit eater. I would keep quiet about it until I went back home, and then I would take a picture of one of the pictures and send it to him and be like, I'm never returning to your house ever again. 
I will tell everyone you know, I will tell my mother, I will show everyone these pictures. I want a grand in my bank account start of every month from now up until you die. I would, have def- I would have definitely taken pictures of the pictures. Yeah, I would have done that. But I would have taken like, one. Well, oh, you mean kept one as a souvenir? Kept one as a souvenir, but that could be the ultimate one in case he said, oh, well, you could have like faked them. I'd be like, no, I've got one. And I will show uh, everyone. If I will put it on the internet, I will show your whole family. I will show my mom. I will, everyone will know about it unless you give me a grand a month until the day you die. Yeah, I would definitely extort the the shit out of that guy, literally. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Which could be what happened. Oh. Get to this. So prosecutor here um, didn't push uh, Sabalos, uh, the, the kid's friend, on why Dylan didn't want to visit Redwine. But he alluded to a strained and potentially abusive relationship between the pair um, and, and that's probably one of the reasons why, uh, the, you know, the son, Dylan, didn't want to go visit his father. Um, Dylan wanted to spend his first night at his father's house at a friend's home. So when he flew out to Durango, he was like, yeah, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to stay at my friend's. But Red One's like, you can't go. Um, it's so understandable, the, though. He doesn't want to go to his fucking shit-eating fathers. I wouldn't want to go But either. he just flew and, and, and showed up there, just, just arrived that day. And he's like, oh, yeah, I have plans to go stay at my mate's house. And so I think the dad's like, no, you're staying at my house. But um, the, so th- instead, he made plans to go meet his friend Ryan the next morning, but he never showed up. Oh, and no. his friend Ryan texted his phone saying, dude, your dad's looking for you. Are you all right, dude? But no one ever received that text. Because he's not all right, dude. Yeah, prosecutors claim that uh, Dylan here was killed in Redwine's home the previous night. Uh, they accused the southwestern Colorado father of hiding his son's remains along a secluded dirt road near his uh, mountain home, even going so far as to take Dylan's skull and move it so it made it look like an animal was involved. Oh, no. Yeah, like he arranged it so it looked like, you know, like he was attacked by like a mountain lion or a bear or something. But Defense they'd be able attorneys. to see that on his bones, wouldn't they? If he'd have been attacked by Maybe. a mountain lion I mean, or I don't know. Bear. I don't know if he tried to like put bite marks in it or something. Who knows? And like, but you'd be able to just, they'd be able to tell. They're not dumb dummies. Who you'd knows? Think. What if he took like a skull of a of an animal and like scraped it on the kid's head? That's very advanced. That's advanced Maybe. like skull working of which Danzig <laughs> would be impressed. Defense attorneys called the whole thing a made up story bolstered by shoddy investigative work and a demand for wrongful conviction due to the extreme circumstances here, the crime. Um, They also say Redwine's photographs are a made-up motive, and that's not even true, and that they're trying to use use it as shock value to turn the jury against him. But they say that Dylan had already discussed these photos with his father on a previous outing. They also suggested that the boy was possibly attacked by an animal after sneaking out of his father's house to see a friend, which is what, what this kid often did. He often snuck out right. of his parents' home. I think this kid was a bit of a ne'er-do-well. I think he uh, probably, you know, I mean, he obviously has divorced parents. There's definitely some strained relationships with his father. I bet you, like, you know, he probably was sneaking out, smoking cigarettes, smoking weed, hooking up with chicks. At like the, I mean, he had a girlfriend at the age of, like, 12. But that doesn't mean that, you know, yeah, you can, like, most wild animals just won't attack you. It's so fucking rare. And they'd be able to prove it in the bones, in the remains, if he had been attacked by an animal. Plus, by the time they found his body, it would be all like, yes, an animal like up, yeah. such as a cougar or a bear has 
taken a chance to fucking eat this boy. And I would even dare say that if it was a bear, there would be no remains left. And plus, aren't bears in November? Aren't bears all snug in their caves in November? No, not the ones that didn't get enough food. That's when bears can be very desperate. Very vicious. Yeah, the Timothy Treadwell eating bears of this world. The grizzlies. But I think part of the thing is this kid, you know, who they did say was, you know, had really good friends that he was loyal to. um, But he was also a prankster with a rough and tumble side. That's what uh, the problem is. I feel sorry for this kid. He is being dragged through a courtroom when he is like, he's dead at the age of 13. His dad is a fucking scumbag and he killed him. But my question is do you think there is some extortion going on? Because the kid already found these pictures, knew his dad was a weirdo, like pervert, didn't want to go to his house, but he already spoke to him about the pictures. So there's weirdness going on there. Probably didn't tell mummy, but he probably told daddy that, uh, I'm not going to tell up. anybody, but you get to pony up some cash here. I think well, that's I think the, what was going on. I think the difference might be, though, D. Simon, is that we're old and jaded and bitter, and we're like, fuck yeah, I would fucking blackmail that prick. He's a 13-year-old boy who, you know, is still, like, at the precipice of even, like, just starting to get boners and think about, like, shagging. So to find pictures like that of your father, I think would be fucking confusing at an age like that so they could have talked about it and his dad could have said you'll understand as you get older but i don't necessarily think that this kid <laughs> who's been through- gonna inherit this fetish of mine you'll understand yeah you'll understand you're gonna get even weirder than me son don't you I worry don't, you know we we live in a society where kids grow up quite fast on the internet there's no you know we're not like That's sheltered true. from a lot of this stuff kids can be quite diabolical by that age especially ones who've already like you know, have animosity from their parents splitting early. He probably thought his dad was a dick anyway. And so now after going there and finding out his dad's not only a dick, but a pervert, probably validates all the shit that the mom's been saying about him. And so he probably, you know, hates his dad, has a grudge. And I bet you it's like, well, now I'm just going to leverage this for my own gain. I and that's see that why his dad killed him. That's what I think. He probably was threatening yeah. to go uh, public with it. Like, I'm going to send it to yeah. your employer, blah, blah, blah. I want 10 grand. And I bet you he's like, all right, dead. So the shitting dad killed his own fucking son. Yeah. And maybe now he's he, trying in a courtroom to smear his name. Like yeah, well, he's, he's, got he's his a real prize father. Yeah. But this poor kid, though, he grew up in southwestern Colorado, moved with the mother after the divorce, Colorado Springs. Um, and then he was set to move again to another town. And uh, th- that's the problem was, is he was uh, he was deciding whether or not to break up with his girlfriend. And his girlfriend uh, testified in, in court as well. Kristen Baird here. And uh, yeah, he was trying to determine his next moves, wanted to spend, you know, they knew the, the move was, in, was impending in like a, a couple of weeks. So he wanted to spend more time with the girlfriend. But instead, the mom's like, the court ordered you to go to Thanksgiving at your pervert father's house. And so now he's dead. Attorneys for Redwine are trying to establish a claim that Dylan had lots of problems. And he had ran away from his father's home. And in the past, he had hitchhiked across Colorado and tended to run away from his problems. So they're definitely trying to, you know, put some blame push on this kid. Angle. Yeah, and push this angle. That wasn't the dad. You know, that happened. Meanwhile, um, Redwine, who was charged in 2017, has denied involvement in his son's death. He faces up to 48 years in prison if convicted. Something tells me that he might enjoy prison. Well, I'm sure he'll have his fill of feces in prison. That's for sure. <laughs> Gross. What do you have here for the second story? Second story is like a film. He was wanted for killing three people. 
that he forced a random woman to drive him 2,000 miles. Was the, that would be the tagline. So Laura, as Laura Johnson walked to her car during her Friday lunch break at a sporting goods store, that isn't Dick's. That's the only sporting goods store that I like. In Dick's. Springfield, Oregon, a stranger approached at Dick's. Dick's Sporting Goods. <laughs> Then he showed her a gun and he told her to get inside and start driving. So for more than 2,000 miles, um, Johnson, uh, she drove east with Owen Evan Nicholson, age 30, inside her black Honda CRV. What type of car is a black yeah. is Honda CRV? Those are weird looking cars. They kind of look like uh, almost like the Batmobile, like kind of a cross between a car oh. and a Jeep. I wouldn't say they're cool. Right. Well, it's a Honda. Who am I to say what's cool? I drive a Prius, but they are. But they're weird. They're weird. An oddly shaped car. Put it that way. So yeah, she drove um, for more than two thousand miles all the way to Milwaukee. Oh, so So, she went from Oregon. Oregon to Milwaukee. That's like across the country. That's that's a far drive. I mean, that would take multiple days. Like probably two or three days. She's a fucking. She's a cool cat. I've got to say this about uh, Laura. Did they so, switch off driving? They were, must have to have kept going for so long. Oh, God. But, she, she's lucky it wasn't Jizzy Jake who kidnapped her. Did <laughs> well, <laughs> you imagine going on a road taken, trip with that guy? <laughs> it would have taken 2,000 miles for him to tell one story. <laughs> so Nicholson, he was a wanted man. He's suspected at this time of killing three people in Oregon and leaving a fourth critically injured. By the time that they arrived in Milwaukee in the early hours of Sunday morning, uh, Laura, who's 34, so she's four years older, she had persuaded Nicholson to stop running from the police and to let her go unharmed. So her father, Dennis, he came forward in the press and said she was forced to drive for 33 hours. She was able to talk him into turning herself in. So like she's definitely she's good words. She knows what she's doing. God, I wonder. I mean, think about that, though. You're in a car for hours with this guy. They must have had like a bonding moment. Is she yeah, fit? like I actually haven't seen a picture of her. Because hmm. I mean, maybe she is an yeah. Oregon chick. Maybe she's got that kind of like north, um, like that Pacific Northwest nice accent that some of them can have. But, but whatever, like was, it's got to be, it's got to be weird. Like two complete strangers. This is like a film. It's like two complete strangers. He just murdered a bunch of people. She's like, you know, completely scared. She's on her lunch break. She's yeah. on her lunch break. And now he, he abducts her. And then they're on this like forced road trip for multiple days. I wonder what they talked about. Do you know what? I think it wouldn't be long before. I don't think a, a kidnapper could put up with me for so long because I'd be like, can we talk about birds or something? <laughs> <laughs> and he'd just leave me by the side of the road. And I'm like, I really love birds. Yeah, Let's you'd talk be like, about them. You know what really gets me off is smashing an infant against the wall. Against a wall. The like, no, but the then fuck? he would say, then this would turn into a rom-com because he would go, hey, me too. And I'd be like, really? No one else has ever agreed with me. And then we'd I... have that little look in the rear view mirror. And then before you know it, like, you know, the, the joltsy jazzy music starts oh and there'd be a time i I think it would go the other way i think it'd be like he'd be like holy shit this bird is way more fucked up than i am yeah but then he would get a woody for it and there would there would come a time where you know i'm going to change gears but he's wait but just wait and then both our hands are on the gear stick and we look at each other this is how it's going to go in my film 
So Nicholson, he was arrested without any incident on 6 a.m. at 6 a.m. on Sunday, where he was charged with 10 crimes, including murder, attempted murder and assault. So he had allegedly carried out a string of violent attacks on the Friday in North Bend, Oregon, which is a coastal town. He's suspected of killing his father, Charles Sims Nicholson, inside here you go, D. Their trailer at an RV park outside Ooh, the Mill right Casino. The a trailer outside a casino. Can you just get any more white trash? So, so this guy, that? yeah, really had uh, things go working out well for him here. He was going yeah. places. So the police are now saying that after he'd killed his father, he got inside of his father's pickup truck. Of course he did. And he just, you know, he fled through the RV park. And during this uh, fleeing from the RV park, he hit and killed. This is probably the greatest last name of any person and his wife. He hit and killed Anthony Oyster, 74, (laughs) critically injuring his wife, the good lady, Mrs. Linda Oyster, 73. I can't believe he killed the oysters. He killed the oysters. oysters. (laughs) Not the oysters. They're such good people. Whose last name is Oyster? Like what the... (laughs) Yeah, I wonder what the origin is, is of that one. Yeah, it's like me like saying, oh, yeah, I really like Toasties. I'm going to change our last name to like Kate Toasty. <laughs> Oysters. Rest in peace, Anthony Oyster. I'm sure you were a good egg. Good a short Oyster. time later, this is his like after fleeing. He was like, hey, fuck it. He drove to Herbal Choices Marijuana Dispensary. And um, inside of there, he allegedly, because we still don't know, fatally shot Jennifer L. Davidson, who was 47. And officials still don't know, quite know if they under, like knew each other, if he went there deliberately to kill her or not. You know, it's interesting just to point out, in Colorado, Colorado is one of the first uh, states really to um, legalize marijuana. And so Oregon. Remember, oh, this is in Oregon. Yeah, Oregon and yeah. Colorado. Colorado. Um, but I do remember in, uh, I think it was in Oregon when I was there like a year ago, we were going to dispensaries there and they're very similar to the dispensaries that they have here, but they're so hippie that they didn't have like, like you go to the dispensaries here and there's usually at least one, sometimes two security guards and they usually have automatic weapons and full on oh, like shit. Teflon body armor. Oh yeah. They don't fuck around here. Like That's here. Terrifying. Be, well, a lot of the uh, dispensaries were getting uh, knocked over and so, and it's all cash. So that's why they were just like, yeah, we want heavily armed guards, you know, guarding these dispensaries. But when we were up in Oregon, I remember, uh, and Colorado for that matter, it's like we went to these dispensaries and uh, yeah, I mean, they looked very similar, but it was like so hippie and everyone's like, oh, this is cool. It's all women working there. And, you know, it's like the weed was great, but I was, I was surprised. I'm like, what do people don't knock these over? Or is LA just a very crime ridden place? I was about to say Colorado, it's all white people, isn't it? More or less. It's a very white state. Maybe not Denver, but the rest of the state. Yeah. And then I would say Oregon. So I think it's funny, though, with this guy here, Owen, he was just like, I'm going to have to, you know, steal a car, go to Wisconsin. It's going to be a long road trip. I need some weeds. I need some weeds. (laughs) Yeah, well, of course he does. He needs to come down. So the next day, uh, Laura's co-workers, they became worried because she didn't come back from her lunch break at the um, Kabbalah's Sporting Goods in Springfield. She wasn't answering calls from anyone, from her friends or her family. So the police began a missing person search. 
100 miles southwest in North Bend, the police were already looking for Nicholson and they were sharing security footage of him with the public. And it was a full day later when Nicholson turned himself into the police in Wisconsin and Johnson was found safe and unharmed. I mean, because Wisconsin, okay, maybe a day later after the uh, police search started, but it had to take at least a three day drive. Well, she drove for 33 hours straight. God damn, that's crazy. I guess 33 hours straight, you could do that in like a day and a half. I wonder if he let her go like have bathroom breaks. You've got to. Yeah, I I think he would have done because this guy, he doesn't sound like he's got the biggest of brains. So So I think he's done this all on a whim. But how come she couldn't alert like the gas station attendant or somebody that she's in duress? He probably was watching her and maybe she just didn't have the opportunity, but they always try and do that. And I he think, probably did have a gun pointed at her the whole time, I would imagine. I think she's got the uh, hooker with the heart of gold complex here. I think she's like, I'm this guy. She saw like the compassionate side of Owen. Sure, he murdered a bunch of people. He killed the oysters. But I think she might have been like, I'm going to heal him. She's probably maybe. Like some kind of Christian or something. Maybe. So her father said the family is grateful that she was able to come home. What a Father's Day gift that was handed back to me, Dennis Johnson told the press. The press. So North Bend Mayor Jessica Engelkunken, whatever the fuck her last name is, she called the rash of crimes a terrible act of violence. And she said that police have been working around the clock to locate Nicholson and return Johnson safely to her family. Words fall short of describing the tragedy that took place on Friday and the ensuing events in Lane County. And we've all left, we were all left incredibly shaken. This is something you hope never happens in your community or in your town that you call home I so now been, nicholson i, I would have been gutted yeah. about the mileage that this put on my car oh would you try and claim them back through the car or something well you probably couldn't but that's like thousands of miles on your car it's only a fucking honda who's buying a used honda well the value definitely depreciated with this trip Oh, my God. Yeah, I'd be like, you would sell that car, wouldn't you? Because you'd then spent a lot of time in a bad situation. I'd be like, I'm getting rid of this car. I'm just going to go and buy myself like something you know, cool. It must have smelled terrible in there. This guy just murdered 33 a bunch hours. of people. Yeah, 33 hours yeah. just smoking weed. Probably just like weed, fart, and BO. Yeah, I can imagine that. He's, he's from an RV park. You know, he's he's not got the best of hygiene. You know what I imagine he looks like? I imagine he's like just really skinny, kind of frail looking with like a rat tail, ponytail. And he's got those really stupid tattoos that all the young kids get nowadays where it's like one random black like line tattoo just here and there where it's all ridiculous. And he's just maybe got his nickname tattooed on his knuckles, but no other fucking tattoos. And he's wearing a wife beater. I'm thinking Oregon. He's got some white supremacist tattoos. There's a lot of them over there. Oh, is it right? Yeah. Maybe. Oh my God, it's a hotbed for white supremacy. I'm maybe that's him how they look- became friends. Maybe she was like, "Oh, I believe in that stuff too," and he was like, "Do you?" And she, she was, was like, "Yeah." I'm picturing more of like a Woody Harrelson, Natural Born Killers vibe with this guy. Maybe because I, uh, I know he smokes. A lot I don't of think weed. he's that dangerous. I don't know. I mean, killed ten people, killed the oysters. He killed the oysters, but that was in a I'm mowing you down and they're probably in his way. But I think I think he killed his dad. And then from then on, it was just like, I've got to get away. Like, plus, we also don't know what his dad did to him to make him snap and finally kill him. Maybe his dad was as I say, maybe his dad um, like ate shit out of a diaper. And he was like, I'm not cool with this. 
I don't know why he would be stolen. Mountain Dew. That's what I think. He stole his Mountain Dew. It's a moral tale. (laughs) (laughs) It's a criminal act in the trailer park. It is. So uh, what happened to the guy? Is he? uh, he, Well, obviously the police are investigating. This is such a fresh case. They still don't know why he's done it. Who's what's happened or anything? They don't even. I don't even know if uh, the good lady wife oyster is still alive or not. She was barely clinging to life when I looked up this Did story. Did the driver get diddled or anything? There's, it's all going to come out in these next coming months. People should look That's for it in the press to keep up. Yeah, yeah, but she's a cool cat, that that Laura. Because you know what? I'd be so annoyed on my lunch break. It's like, number one, no one wants to ever go to work. No one ever wants to be at work. And then number two, well, I suppose I'd be quite grateful because I don't have to go back to work. But at the same time, I never would have been abducted if I wasn't going to fucking work. I wonder if so you get just... fired for skipping out. You fucking probably. I bet you they would. They would put it down as an unmarked absence, and it would yeah. go against your sick like, days. I, I bet you they paid. fucking would. Yeah. And I bet you she wouldn't. I bet you they Dicks. wouldn't because they'd be like, "You didn't ring in sick, so this is going as your sick day percentage or whatever bullshit they do." Good talk about a bad trip. This is what that bad trip. Yes. But this would be a cool film. I'd love to know what they talked about. I'm sure she's going to be doing the rounds of like the Dr. Phil's. And oh, the she's going to write a book for sure. She'll you know, maybe, well, yeah, maybe. She works at a sporting goods store. I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad about people who work in sporting goods stores. But I'm hoping. She's I'm, there for a reason. I'm really hoping the guy was just like, there's no bathroom breaks. He made her be like, remember the diaper astronaut lady that drove like across country just pissing and shitting in the diaper she was wearing? Remember? That's Oh, you know, that's um, Jodie Arias did that as well. Did she? That's what I'm hoping been this uh you know the the killer here was just like yeah there's no bathroom breaks we're going straight to wisconsin the I two of us out. both I've wearing adult a... diapers yeah oh, both wearing adult <laughs> diapers in the movie i would gonna... film that's what would happen well, look, well the movie you would film it would also be midgets driving yes they would be dwarves <laughs> they would all be dwarves <laughs> that's how you sell a movie in this town it is people send your stories sickerrollpodcast.gmail.com got some phone calls come next very special guest is going to be here on the phone calls the best guest yeah no it's a very special guest so uh, uh, we'll get to that in a second first here's a word from Adam and Eve hey guys it's me Stephen I'm a huge fan of your show thanks to your awesome coupon code diddle I can buy myself loads of good sex toys since both of my wives died and my Logaric's disease got pretty bad let's just say things in the bedroom got pretty boring but thanks to adamandeve.com and coupon code diddle So we got a few phone calls to get to. 323-522-4032 is the drunk dial line. Um, got a special guest here doing some phone calls with us this week. John Steele. What's up, Steele? Not much. What's going on? Um, hey. Well, welcome back to the show. It's, it's good to have you on the show. You know, I understand uh, that you uh, had a birthday recently. So a happy belated birthday. 
Um, uh, yes, thank you very much. So what, what do you do? What <laughs> do you do on your now, birthday? I, <laughs> what's that? What do you do on your birthday? Like, do you go out? Do you take yourself out for a special meal what? at the Olive Garden? Well, let's back up and let's <laughs> let's preface this. It's well documented that I do not. I feel I get the gay bumps and I get creeped out by growing men <laughs> who wish other growing men happy birthday. Right, well, One. I'll say happy Two. happy birthday, happy birthday. See, I that, that doesn't bother me like of a feet, but when when like a female <laughs> wishing a guy, that's one thing. But like two growing men, like hey, happy. and the thing that's even creepier is these men that like announce their birthday on Facebook like yeah. a week. Oh my, I can't wait! My birthday's coming up on Thursday. I mean, and they want like a pat on the back because they, and they want everybody to give them adulation for the fucking week because their birthdays, like people that guys that make a big deal about their birthday. Are weird. It's fucking weird. Are it's, weird, creepy. And I get the gay bumps. Especially like, guys like in their mid forties, like, you know, dudes my age, yeah. like 42, 43, having a birthday party, like going to weird. a bar yeah. and like getting your friends to come up for a birthday. I think that's fucking weird. That is I think weird. weird. I think inexcusable. Yes. It's inexcusable, it's inappropriate, and yes. nobody wants to celebrate your birthday. Nobody. Like, well, everybody, women like these do people it. that are so self-absorbed about their birthday, these guys, nobody wants to celebrate your birthday. Like, so, maybe when you were 21, that's one thing. Like, you turn 21 and everybody fucking goes, I get that, okay? But, you know, now you're 25, now you're 30, you're 35, you're 40. Nobody gives a shit about your birthday. So yeah. keep it but, to yourself. Don't announce it. And carry on with your life as it's just another day. Because frankly, you made no, there's no accomplishment there on the person who has the birthday. They, they came out of a pussy against, they, they had no part in the whole, like their yeah. parents fucked. They played a role, but you as a kid being born, you didn't, you did nothing. You it's just not slipped an achievement, out of the vagina. It's not an accomplishment. Can yeah. I say yeah. though that? I was two months early and I decided to leave my mother on that day. So I'm a bit different. Cause I was like, this is the day I leave this woman. But still though, she <laughs> shit I, you I out. Chose, I chose my day. I'm but she shit you out. Uterus. You know, it's just like, it's, it, but it, it's out of no like <laughs> skill of my own. Like I don't know why people are congratulating me. Cause I was shit out of a vagina that day. It's like, who cares? Yeah, See, I have my parents, maybe. I do think it's weird when men are so into their birthdays, but I'm fine with women being well, into women, their birthdays. Yeah, but it's, for me, it's just kind of, that's normal. In my experience with girlfriends, it's like you make a big deal on their birthday because if you don't, they're going to be pissed off about it. But me personally, I couldn't give a shit about it. So, Steele, are you just bitters because Martin didn't buy you a birthday gift? If he bought me a birthday <laughs> gift, I probably wouldn't accept it. Uh, okay, what what about Dougie? I, although I will say this. Huh? What about Dougie? Dougie if Dougie if bought you a birthday, birthday gift? What if he made you a birthday gift? You don't oh, want anything that What's he going to make me? Yeah. I don't know, something with like glue and macaroni like noodles? Arts and crafts? Like some sort of... Uh, macaroni character yeah. some glitter <laughs> yeah elmer's glue yeah with, I don't a, know. with my name misspelled on it <laughs> you probably yeah, take no, that. Now that i would like i would actually appreciate that <laughs> just two tarred sell it like one tarred giving another tarred a birthday present is what that would amount to tarred on tarred crime <laughs> You know, I wish Dougie did cameo. That'd be great. 
Oh my, totally, oh my god! Oh my god! I would order cameo for sure. You know, I know it gives me a good idea. I should see if like, I can get like a group, maybe like retarded cameo, rotundio. I might actually do this. <laughs> give me ideas. <laughs> like you could have a yeah. a retarded person like prank your friends. You know, I think this is great. Right. I'm all right. Look, don't steal yeah. my idea, people. Okay, don't right. steal my idea. D Simon TM rotundio.com. <laughs> <laughs> Steel, can you be on it? You I think you'd be actually you'd oh, be a good candidate. <laughs> absolutely. Probably, um, uh... Anyway, uh Steel, the reason I had you on uh the show uh, is because uh well, A, you you played a game of Jew or not Jew, which I'm not gonna give the results out because people have to listen to it, but I was impressed, to say the least. But also because we got a call from um a frequent caller on the show. We call her Kate's mum. Because she gives a lot of uh, advice Can to I? Kate. Yeah, she called in. She was horrified because uh, Kate has a lot of. Have you ever heard the term "vart"? Kate has a lot of varts. Have you ever heard no. this term? Yeah, it's a vaginal fart. Like you fart, and it goes into your <laughs> vagina, and then you fart the fart out of your vagina. It's called a vart. But it's not a queef. It's an actual no. fart from no, the asshole. No, yeah, it's not. Yeah, a, it's not like a queef. It, it usually happens. It will happen to all chicks, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. It happens to all tight. chicks. It does happen to all chicks, D. Simon. If you're wearing very tight trousers and you're sat down, and like, yeah, maybe if you fart, it will just like it will like, like slide a fart up, like a fart bubble. Yeah, it's like a fart bubble that goes past. It's like you know, going past like a harpist at a fancy wedding. And then your lips kind of shoot the bubble out again. So technically, yeah, it like goes. So free vagina and like so it's it's a var it's it's not a fart it's a vagina okay. it's not so a queen just so it's just so I'm clear on the physics of this fart <laughs> right it, it's a fart that comes out of your asshole yes it yes. kind of goes under the undercarriage and through the exterior of the pussy lip yes like it doesn't it doesn't come out of the pussy hole no 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 because when it comes out the pussy hole that's a queef. Okay, that's what. I, okay, so it's different. It's a fart that basically vibrates to the rolls to the front. Yeah, and yeah. you still feel it. You put. You feel it blow. You feel it push. You get. Yeah, you feel it blow across and go out. It comes out your front body. Does it? It's. It comes out it your front sounds, <laughs> It sounds like. It sounds like it feels wonderful. Does it feel good? Did Is you it say warm? it felt good? You liked it? Like it flutters. Yeah. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, it flutters. It doesn't feel like awful. But it smells like a fart. It sounds like it would feel like pleasurable. Almost. But doesn't it smell like a Sometimes. fart? Sometimes, like, because you're wearing tight pants, it's trapped in your like your external. Yeah, but we all know then... that like girls' farts don't smell like anything. So it's just it's just air, isn't it? Some dated... girl farts are twenty times worse than any guy's farts. Oh yeah, smells. especially like when they're having periods. There can... Oh, the period oh, yeah. farts. Yeah, oh, let's oh, yeah. That's, that's, let's save that for another hair. time. All right. Well, anyway, menstrual <laughs> gas will knock you on your <laughs> ass. <laughs> um, There's a t-shirt for you. <laughs> we did. We did make vart t-shirts. We actually sell them at our T Public stores. Uh, Kate came up with the acronym. Vaginas are really terrific. 
It's probably the worst <laughs> thing I have ever come up yeah, with. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Like, it's pretty terrible. It's awful. Yeah. I can do better. I I find it amusing, actually. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'll show you one. For your birthday, well, Steve, we'll send yeah, you one. Yeah, maybe we'll get Steve a fart trip for his birthday. <laughs> but it'll come from you, not me, because it'd be gay if I did it. So <laughs> Kate's, mom, Kate's mom, who's a nurse, calls called in, gives Kate a lot of life advice. But Kate, Kate's mom and Kate, actually, are ride-or-die FTV fans, like huge from the bill fans like kate's mom listened to it back in the day like when it was on and still like i think she still listens to it she's like og from the original gangster yeah yeah, Yeah. she's never stopped listening i think she just listens all the time to it still still i'm still like you know i'm still listening making my way through the back cut yeah it's like a couple hundred episodes um, yeah. I was pointing that out to Steele too, that his backlog, like his uh, archive of episodes are free as opposed to sick and wrong, which you have to pay for. <laughs> but then again, I am Jewish and that's, yes. that's the difference here. Gotta get um, those shekels. <laughs> so she called in, Kate's mom calls in with a special uh, birthday, uh, a trio of birthday calls for you, Steele. So let's play number one. Okay. Happy birthday to you, you take pictures of poo, you put them on the internet, and make everyone go, ooh. So, Steele, happy birthday. I want you to know that you're my guilty pleasure. Wait, Steele, do you still do that? Do you still take pictures of your shits and send them to your friends? No, because I don't get... There was a... I. It's been probably five or six years since I've had, maybe probably closer to 10, since I've been able to concoct. I mean, there was a period of time where my shits were <laughs> complete masterpieces that I felt the world needed to see. <laughs> and, like it came uh, out of the water. I haven't been able to, huh? Like, did you have some that came out of the water, like an iceberg? Oh, all, I mean, I there was, there was one we used to call the, the happy horseshoe that was, People were mesmerized by that. Like I, my whole thing was, this was about the first. Like when I started doing it, was right after you could, like the cameras had or, or phones had cameras uh, uh, included with them. Yeah, you know the camera phone. Because back when I first had cell phones, they didn't come with any cameras. So this would have been like early two thousand. And when that first came out, I thought, well, how can we take advantage of this beautiful technology? And so my thing was, if I had, if I took a good <laughs> shit. I would take a picture of it and then I would text it <laughs> to all my friends who were generally like in business meetings or at a teach, like they were a lot of our teachers and stuff. They'd be having a teacher meeting at school and this would come across their phone and they would just start fucking laughing in the middle of a fucking meeting. So I always like tried to time it. Like when I was going to send it out to them because I knew they'd fucking bust a, you know, bust the gut if they saw it. So that was my whole thing was trying to catch my friends off guard. But then when we started from the bill, we had a shit page on our website where we would put, and like people could highlights. send in their shit pages, yeah. but like a lot of them were on there were mine, but yeah, I don't do it anymore simply because I don't, I, I I'm, I, I, I think I aged out of it because I just, you know, how athletes at some point you got to hang up the gloves if you're a right. boxer because you yeah, no longer yeah. have. The, I don't think I have the physical capability to do it anymore because I can't like now it wouldn't be worth the effort. You know, well, maybe you should get maybe you should spectacular. Get, like some Metamucil or more fiber. Something. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what it would take. I don't know if it's a dietary. Thing, we, we, but I, 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 we can ask Kate's mom. I mean, she is a nurse, so she would know. She is a nurse. Yeah. She can maybe help with this, this delicate <laughs> voice. I imagine a young Dean Martin 
Um, and that's Did you hear that? Wait, I'm going to rewind it a bit because we're talking. But listen to what she says when she imagines Steele's voice. She's the only woman I think that ever imagines this. You're my guilty pleasure. <laughs> and when I hear your voice, I imagine a young Dean Martin. Um, oh. And that's a bit of a treat for me. I'm fat, I'm frumpy, and I'm 50. So that's great that you do that to me. And my big mum is not you fat. For- you know what? This is making me think. I, I love that I've been compared to one of the Rat Pack. I love that I'm being compared to Dino, who was my favorite member of the Rat Pack. So He's my very... favorite member of the Rat Pack, too. Oh, he's the best. He's the, best he's one. the fucking best. You know oh, what? we all know who you like, D. Don't even oh, jump in about who your favorite yeah, member is. I do we have all a know favorite member, yeah. Satanist Jew. Yeah, it's and the he's Jewish the one-eyed one. black Satanist Jew, Jew. Isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. Not too <laughs> many Satanist Jews yeah, out there. Isn't. Um, Can I just say my, uh, my fake mum is also my fake mum is not fat. She's not a sob buster. She's being too hard on herself. You know, she's she's a very attractive woman. You know what Steele should do yeah. for uh, your mum for her birthday is do an ASMR video. Again, Steele, do you know what AS, no, it's his normal voice. Again, Steele, do you know what ASMR is? No, I do not. I don't know what it stands it for, healthy? but. Yeah, it's a big, it's a it's thing. An on, it's a thing on YouTube where it's like. It is an acronym. It's an acronym for something. I We did a show about it years ago, but it's like uh-huh. a thing on YouTube where a lot of girls and, and men actually, frankly, but a lot of girls will do these videos of them like eating peanut butter and just the sound of them eating peanut butter is like the ASMR and people get like dudes, well, dudes get off on anything because they're vile cretins. But, uh, but I wonder <laughs> if you did we like, are. I don't know, a, a a video, an ASMR video of you talking or something, you know, drinking whiskey or um, maybe like giving instructions on how to get rid of pubic lice, something like that. I bet you she'd probably be really turned on by it. Well, I, there is, I do have a YouTube channel. I I haven't put anything up in years, but I, I don't know, 10 years ago or eight years ago or whatever. I have four, four or five videos up there. One is actually speaking of birthday gay bombs. I was invited to one of my best friends, 40 year old, 40 year, when he turned 40, his 40th birthday party. This would have been, I don't know, like I said, no, it wasn't Dougie. Uh, It was like 10 years ago when I said, no, I, I'm, I said, I, I, I can't in good conscience come to a grown man's birthday. I can't do it. And so instead what I did was I filmed a YouTube video and sent it to everybody at the party like live right after I shot it. That was basically like a roast where I just, I roasted everybody that I knew was at the party and told them how awful they were. And then roasted, obviously the birthday, the, the guy whose birthday was. Plus I also have, there's a couple of drunken, like where I got home late from the bar and I was shit faced. And I did like a Bon Scott, uh, just went on some fucking, I don't even remember some rant about Bon Scott for 20 minutes or something like that when I'm getting all shit faced. So there nice. is, if she wants to see YouTube videos of just nonsense, you know, you know I'm going to post, I'm gonna post it to Patreon. I'll post it to Patreon, like a link to it. So people can check it out. Yeah. Well, I'll send you the link. Yeah. To the send page me a link to the page. It. Yeah. Yeah. There's anyway. only like yeah, four videos be in the on there. Yeah. Yeah. We'll post that to Patreon. But yeah. You, you can have that. Uh, also, do you have Essexville justice in the music videos that we shot in the nineties? Yeah, maybe I watched Essex Justice, yeah, we, that, yeah, but yeah. I didn't know about I didn't know about the music videos. Oh yeah, we did music videos. We did uh, a Kiss song. We did we did a really super. We want to make one super gay. We made one for Silent Lucidity from Queensrÿche. Two 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 guys holding a baby. Wait, it's so gay. This wasn't Chariot of Steel. 
No, that was you're thinking of stealing the sassy boys. That was the stealing the sassy that was, boys. That yeah, yeah, that was our bat. That's the band that we threw together as a joke, and we just do battle of the band. Yeah, yeah. Actually, every I was the, I was horrible because I have no musical ability, but you I sang, sang and I can't sing. Yeah, no, my singing voice is god awful. But I was like the musicians that were with me are amazing, but I'm terrible. But we yeah, did yeah. it as a like joke. Wall raving on guitar so, it was good. We it was actually. Good. Uh, we place. We don't always place in the battle of the bands, but I remember we, we, we yeah, went I'll to the boys club. We, we got to get through these phone calls. But I remember one one quick thing. We were at the boys club watching the battle of the bands, and the band that played before you was like, "We're vexation." <laughs> and they were just like <laughs> oh, one yeah, of the worst things I've ever had there. to sit through. Yeah, and then the steel yeah. and the sassy boys came on, blew them away, blew vexation away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fun. I like doing it. Those good yeah. times. All right, um, back to the call. So I decided that as a treat for your birthday, we'd take you back to some of your old segments from From the Ville. So Dee's going to have to stop and start this so you can get to answer. But I'll begin. And the first one that I thought we'd start with was an FTV-inspired Would You Rather. Mm. So think very carefully, Steele, because whatever you answer might be arranged for next year's birthday present. So would you rather be fisted by a Mexican midget or give a retarded man a blowjob and you've got to swallow? Fisted. All right. So what do you want? That's a wonderful question. This is a tough would you rather. Would I rather? This is easy for me. Well, yeah, I, I'm. I'm gonna have to go. That would hurt like a son of. Although it's a midget, it's a Mexican it's a tiny, midget. It's which a means little hand, a little smaller. Hand, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go. If it's if it's a midget, I'm gonna have to go with the fisting in my butthole. Uh, that way, I don't have a cock in my mouth. Because the other the other option, I have to. I have a retard's cock in my mouth, right? Am I? Did I hear it right? Yeah. So I think this is kind of a no brainer. I'm gonna have to go recipient. Even though it's a fist, some man's fist up my ass. Well, it's but a, I, a tiny but it's a little fist. fist. A little it's fist. a little fist. Yeah. yeah, it's a little fist. It's probably no bigger than a. I've had chicks' thumbs up there before. It's probably not that much bigger than that. Dylan Winkler. Yeah. So, yeah, um, exactly. There you go. <laughs> a. Uh, but but uh, yeah, I've got, this is a no brainer for me. I, I don't want the retard's cock in my mouth, and I don't want it to swallow the retard's spooge. So, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of with you on that decision. <laughs> yeah, I, I went there instantly. I'm being fisted by the midget. Fisted so by Kate's the taking the fist as well? Yeah, we're so all in agreement. The, it's unanimous. We're all taking the fist up the ass. I'm a little surprised, <laughs> Kate. It's as if you've never filleted a retarded guy before. At least yeah, one of your exes. Although, yeah, but I mean, that's the Mexican fist, you know, that's a bit more exotic than what I'd yeah. usually go for. So. <laughs> although, I will say this. If I have to stop back and think about it again. Blowing the retard would be a much better story. And when I get in circumstances, I'm kind of looking for the funny. It I'm would be, it would be funny. But I guess like yeah. a little a little Mexican guy with a sombrero, midget, fist oh, in your ass. See, that's yeah. what I'm imagining. And like, yeah. also, because he's, you know, he's going to be quite lazy. He's going to get bored halfway through and like probably fall asleep. I so it's not like, going to last as long. La Cucaracha in the or, background. Or as they would say, go on a siesta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's more. The question I need answered. So there you go. It's a Mexican so, fist. 
My guess is you probably chose the midget, so we'll get working on that for next year. My next one that I'd like to play with you is Riddle Me an Ailment. So if we start, he can't pick his nose or scratch his arse or bite his nails. He's losing weight but eating whatever he wants and he's definitely not got cancer. He eats poop but he's not into scat. And he has ticks that don't suck blood. And his language gets him thrown out of church. Finally, he likes young boys. And his high school careers advisor suggested when he did his careers test that he became either a teacher or a priest. There was absolutely no mention of rodeo clowns or park rangers. I know I've kind of lost on these references, but let's she's she's going for another another ten seconds. And the answer is Uh, Oh wait, wait, uh, wait. Don't tell us. Yeah, don't don't tell tell it yet. Okay. So what do you gonna say what do you think? I'm gonna say part of the answer is Tourette's syndrome. Yeah, yeah, I would say that for sure. Maybe armless. Might be an armless Catholic with Tourette syndrome, like an arm, armless priest with Tourette. No, because he he said to be a priest or a teacher. So is it gaudy, <laughs> Not, like a science teacher? Well, it's a, riddle me an ailment. You're trying to say what the ailment is that this person's suffering from, right? Yeah, but it could be a combination. If I re- I don't remember the we played it so early yeah. on. <laughs> this is early only on. Martin and I were the only ones that got it. Like a lot of people weren't grasping the concept. But it was you. Yeah, you come up with these riddles. Like you give out like a symptom or that. And, and for whatever reason, whenever I played, a, a lot of my ailments also had race included. So it was like, <laughs> Not surprised there. Ailment. And uh, so uh, people would always bitch at me. Well, that black isn't an ailment. Well, I'm like, well, it is for the purpose of the game. So just play along. So it, sometimes it could be a combination. Like it's a this, this, and a this person has this, this, and this. And so. <laughs> I'm thinking this maybe has two or three aspects to it. So I'm saying armless Catholic person with Tourette syndrome, but I could be wrong. What's the Definitely park ranger reference? No, not a Jew. Exactly. <laughs> What's the park ranger reference? It was that something. The park, we... Well, that was from Garber in high school. Remember the, the most useless position in a faculty at a school faculty is the guidance counselor. <laughs> the guidance where they'd have you take the yeah. career. <laughs> They have you come down and they take, they plug all this information. They'd ask you questions, plug it into a computer, and then the computer would spit out like a career assessment yes. as to what you should go into. Well, I went down there and it spit out. I gave him all the information. He asked me these questions. He punches it in the computer. The computer spits out that I, that I should be a rodeo clown or a park ranger. <laughs> 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 Which I saw, I said to my guidance counselor, I said, do you think this is going to help my self-esteem? The fucking computer just said I should be a rodeo clown. Like, how is that going to help me, like, in the future? Like, thanks a lot, asshole. You're just fucking great for the self-esteem. Yeah, you, you're qualified to be a rodeo fucking clown. I would Don't think adult you. bookstore owner is what I think would be a uh, career That's a steal. great job. That would be great. I would, I would yeah. like that job now. Skin of my art. Yeah. Unfortunately, they closed all the adult bookstores now. Yeah. It's all online. So, no yeah. more well, NBC, yeah, no more purple peeps. There's none. There are, there's, they're here. Uh, yeah. There's several in my city. 
people like people There's still know how to read here. <laughs> none yeah, none, none yeah, in the states. Over here, yeah. that's lacking. <laughs> All right, here's the answer. It's a thalidomide victim who has caught a tapeworm, Armless. developed Picker syndrome, and Tourette's, and who is also a Gordy. So oh, at least we know that you're definitely, definitely not a Gordy because of your careers advisor and what he thought you'd be good at. So we're coming up to nearly three minutes. So I want to um, play Riddle Me a Former Star. So I'll phone back with that. Okay, bye. I like how she says Gordy, too. A Gordy. Gordy. Yeah. A Gordy. I was partially right. The armless thing is, she said thalidomide, which is a lot of the armless people uh, were flippers, because of yeah. their parents yeah, you and their got moms. It. It's the thalidomide. You got but it. I didn't know the other parts of it. Uh, but yeah, no, she she definitely knows her shit. <laughs> well, so yeah. she, I wouldn't remember half that shit. Yeah, no, these are old school references. OG. She's definitely from the Villa OG. She calls back here with uh, with the next question. Okay. Right, Steele, are you ready for Riddle Me a Former Star? So, I'll start with the first clue. This person has never, ever starred on The Love Boat, Benson, <laughs> Murder, She Wrote, or Columbo. Okay. The second clue is this person has twice been nominated for a Golden Globe. Once in 1977 and once in 1982. The third clue. This person's father called them a dumb dog in German due to their learning difficulties as they were growing up. The fourth clue. In the 90s, this person starred in both The Simpsons and South Park. Whoa. And the final clue, and I think you might get it from this one, Steele, if you've not already. This person... Steele, do you have an idea of what it is? Not really. Yeah, no, I, uh, I thought I did, but now I'm kind of off. Uh, I don't the, the South Park Simpsons thing, I'm trying to think of the crossover there. Yeah, like, there's so many people who've been on South Park and the Simpsons. Yeah, but starred in. That means they're like regular, so... Oh. Yeah. All right. Here's the final clue, which she said might give it away. His name inspired a girl to get brown thumbs when she was drunk in a kitchen with a steel oh. and his friend Wally at a party. Have you got it yet? Henry Winkler. Yep. Henry. You're right. Henry it's Winkler. Arthur Fonzarelli himself. Henry Winkler. There you go. Well done, Steele. I knew you'd yeah. get that one. Well, I didn't oh, get it yeah, from the yeah. final clue, but yeah. <laughs> the, the final clue kind of gave it away there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't realize she was That's in South Park. She, she put some time into it, though, and she researched his career. So. She yeah, did. No, that, was, that was a good one. Yeah, see, Martin replaced Riddle Me and Ailment. I started, and then it wasn't going well. So then Martin replaced it with Riddle Me a Former Star, which then it was this sixth round where you had you went back and you did some research. And you had like six, like six different, like riddles until they got the last riddle. I like how, something. but I like how much effort you guys put into these games. Where I'm just like Jew or not Jew. <laughs> it's not even like I don't even try. It's just like yeah, Jerry Seinfeld, Jew or not Jew. Um, yeah, you the guys most actually. Effort we put in anything was the death pool thing because you had to yeah. and search all the celebrities to make sure you didn't pick one that was already dead. 
That was, well, that was fun, a, though, the death pool. We have a death yeah. pool going on the Discord at the minute, but so far there's only bit, there's only one winner on it, and he's on like my, and he's on one point because he guessed Prince Philip. So he's Ooh. on one fucking point. That, but he's count? beating all of us with one point. <laughs> barely even counts. Well, that's that's how our first year of the death pool was. We did, I think we only had one death or two deaths, I think, the whole year. And we each had 20 picks. So it's like, of all that picks, we only had two die. Yeah, we've <laughs> so, yeah, only we got uh... five. All right, got we one got more call here. Next year. One more call from Kate's mom. And I didn't even listen to this one, so but it's the third call. So, Steel, as you probably gathered, I'm a bit of a FTV fan. Um, I absolutely love it. I love you, Martin, and all your guests and everybody that you've had on there. It takes me back to the 1980s, um, just when that sense of humour was kind of allowed. It, it's, it's just amazing that there's still people like that in the world. The world is That is true. You guys, in terms of cancel culture, you guys would have been cancelled immediately. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we, we were cancelled, I think, before cancel culture started. But that is uh, one thing about, like, uh, definitely from the Ville, and even the early episodes of Sick and Wrong, it's like a time capsule. Like, you go back in time, and you're yeah. talking about, like, current events that happened then, and things that happened to you, you know, like, in high school, in the 80s, it's, it's definitely a time capsule. I think it's very nostalgic. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah really cool. definitely. It's an awful lot since then. And, you know, some things are just really funny, and... I hate the way that all these young ones just can't take the piss out of themselves or the piss out of anybody else and just accept that's just what it is. It's nothing personal. It's a South Park view of humour that if you take the piss out of everybody, you're not singling out or being mean to anybody. And I think that's what you and Martin had with that show and that's why people love it so much and just can't put it down. Um, it is it is kind of shitty that the, the, the new generation, the, the Generation Z people are just like so overly sensitive, so easily triggered. It just didn't, yeah. can't even make a joke about something. Can't take a joke, you know? Well, Kate's mom made a very good point. It's this, and it's weird because that generation, the younger generation, it grew up with South Park. Yeah. Like, they, what, what, like they grew up and they watch it. They they still watch it. I mean, they're very, you know, uh, dedicated to watching South Park even to this day. And how can you watch that show and not look at the absurdity of everything that goes around in the world and not be able to fucking bust balls and make fun of it? Like the, I'm sure most people, even to this, I don't know, maybe nowadays kids don't bust each other's balls. But when I grew up, like you grew up and everybody, your best friend, you knew that you had friendship when you were getting your balls busted. Like it's, if you got your balls yeah. busted and you reciprocated and busted their balls, that was friendship. Like it's but whether it was about That's their race, whether it was about some something, uh, one of their, uh, you know, something about their your appearance, something nose, about their anything. behavior, their mannerisms. <laughs> that was how you made friends was busting each other's balls. Yeah. And I think, we've lost that as a society. Like they, I personally think there should be a university that is called BBU ball busting university where you learn how to get your balls busted and learn how to bust people's balls and everybody has fun. You just, you let it roll off. It's not. You should learn how to take it. a fucking joke. You know, that's the problem. Yeah, it's like, I, they, she, these people get offended by comedians. And then she go did on the make internet. a good point. Yeah. You've got, you've got to like hate everyone equally. Yeah. Or yeah. Just, just take the piss. Take the piss out of everyone yeah. equally. Take the piss out of yourself. It's just it's 
that's what humor is. That's what's funny. You know, it's like I, and I remember I don't Matt get and it. Trey even said when they did South Park, that, and and this is kind of the mantra that Martin and I Elon, from the bill. This is kind of the mantra we had just growing up. Yeah. Same with funny sick and wrong. Not funny. Like, no, that, that's exactly. You can't, you can't have. You can't say this is funny and this isn't funny, or this is the line and that's not the. There is no like. It's it's either all fair game or none of it's fair game. So you yeah. know, we always aired on the. It's all fair game. So. You know, I think that's where it gets lost in in today's. I, I think world. that's what it is. Is the it's this current culture, this internet, uh, you know, this internet um, group of cancel people that just culture yeah, well, it's cancel that culture. Shit. But it's like they've they've grown up on the internet and they're so so sensitive and they post to Facebook and everybody's got to you know they'll post like I'm depressed and I'm sad and that's why I can't sleep or eat and then all their friends can you know like sit there and try to console them. And it's this like weird yeah. sensitive environment that we live in. These people that were reared on the internet and I think it's like I wish they could just take a step outside of it and just be like fuck everything. That whole, like, you know, yeah. that, like, fuck everything. Let's make fun of everything. Yeah. And nothing matters. You know, it's like nothing is off bounds. And we, I don't think we'll ever get back to that. It sucks. I was I just being like, yeah, we're definitely all the generation where if we didn't like something, it didn't matter. We just didn't like it. We'd move on. But nowadays, yeah. people are so entitled, feel like they're entitled. Oh, if I don't like something, I'm going to destroy it and end it. It's like, do you know what? It's just not for you. Just leave it alone. Like, it just doesn't matter. I think it's There's also politics, too, there. and like victimhood. It's just, I don't know. I think it's all just gay. <laughs> it's gay. <laughs> Me, myself, I've got quite a stressful job. I'm an emergency nurse. I haven't stopped working all the way through COVID. And it's hard. It's really, really hard. And I literally have become obsessed with From the Bill this year because it has been the only time that I can switch off from the day-to-day realities of real life and I just listen to it and laugh and it completely distracts me and I can hand on heart say I probably listened to a bit of it every day I must be on my third my third way round and I'm still not bored and every time I listen I get new jokes or hear things that I've not noticed before and I, I just love it um, and I'm so glad that you did it so I want to thank you and Martin for that because it is great I'm really sad it's not still with us but I have heard you say at some point that it's kind of it is what it is and it's in its day and I kind of agree with that and I think that's partly what makes it so special but I do miss not hearing you I miss your blogs on Facebook um, a fistful of steel was good on here and I am missing that so I do hope at some point you do decide to come back on the airways more regularly um, I've got a couple of questions that I want to ask you about from the bill first is what happened in Chucky's love life <laughs> and then the second is um, what happened to Dubsy's pigs has she still got them um, and also, Kate's mentioned before that there's the curse from, from the bill. So I was wondering if you could share some of that with us and let us know what's happened to some of the characters that are on with you. I assume some are departed by now, and I'm really sorry about that if that's true. But I'll be really interested 
Oh, cuts off right there. So wait, there are three questions. One is, oh, I love what happened to Chucky's love life? Well, I, didn't, I missed the second one. What was the second one? About a pig, somebody with pigs. pigs? Okay, I think I, rem- I think I know what she's talking about. And then, then what was the last one? Well, the, the third curse. one is the curse. Like, who? Oh, what happened curse. to a lot of people? Or well, guests? first, I want the uh, Kate's mom to know that I will be masturbating to her while singing "Baby, It's Cold Outside Tonight." Uh, thinking myself as Dean Martin. <laughs> I uh, mean, you should. My but, fake mom is really hot, and she's a, she's great. So uh, maybe we, her and I, can sing the duet because I think that's a duet Dean Martin sang, "Baby, I, I It's can, Cold Outside," it is. which is also part of cancel culture. So maybe her and I can do the duet. <laughs> oh, she would uh, love that. Next Christmas for this for Christmas we'll, we'll put together maybe the holiday uh, the show. Pigs, yeah, there you go. Uh, the pigs I think she's referring to is one of Steel friend, Steel's friend's wife, who was Martin's wife. Like oh, she always got pissed because I referred to her as my friend's wife, not her by her name. Uh, she had pigs. She, she, one of her friends. What's that? She had pigs, or were her friends pigs? Her friend, who we call Dubs, who was. A girl that me and a buddy tag teamed one time. <laughs> Wait, I remember uh, this chick, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Her nickname was Dubs. Yeah. And uh, I want to say the pig. I don't know for sure, but the pig's reference she's referring to is she she used to carry around these like stuffed pigs everywhere she went, and it, yeah, it was and so it childish and off. annoying. Yeah. And I think that's what she's talking about, but I don't know what she wanted to know. What happened to I, her I pigs? Yeah, does she still, like, because yeah. she used to put pictures of her fucking pigs on Facebook. Yes. Yeah. And it was very, uh, actually, MySpace, because we're so fucking old. <laughs> it was, I don't think Facebook was around. <laughs> but that which really dates me even more. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what happened to those pigs. I do know this much. They never showed up in my presence again uh, <laughs> after I fucking blew a gasket. <laughs> Because I was gonna, I was at the point where I wanted to rip the heads off them and like jerk off. Like I just, they were so irritating. Like that a thirty-five-year-old woman would be walking around with stuffed pigs and think it's cute, and it was just, it wasn't. There was nothing cute about it. It was fucking irritating, annoying, and talk about gay. It was gay. <laughs> yeah. Wait, who's Chucky yeah. then? Chucky was, uh, he came on the show a couple times in the early days and he was always one of these hopeless romantics that, hmm. you know, always was falling in love with women. And then he get like, he gets super creepy and he'd like write blogs about his relationships and things like this. And we used to, we used to have him on the show and like make, obviously bust his balls and make fun of him. Then he stopped coming on the show and he tried to like hide his blog. Like he'd still blog on MySpace about his new relationships and shit. And he, but he, he kicked us off so we couldn't get a hold of the blog because we'd get a hold of the blog and then make a show of it and read the blog <laughs> and like with music in the background and then stop every <laughs> sentence and start making fun of them. Wait, did we go to high days. school with him? Uh, no, I don't think he went to, I don't know where he's from. He Martin know, knew him from, I don't even know how he, I, he, I know he used to work at like some video uh, rental places around oh. here back, you know, in the, in the nineties. And I don't know how Martin knew him, but somehow we knew him, but we, we'd get a hold of his blogs and then shit on him. Like basically, <laughs> oh, there's a chunky blog. Let's make it, this is, ha- this is going to make, this is going to be a 40 minute bit right here. Get his blog and we'll just, we'll play it and we'll read it and shit on it the entire time. Oh, and wow. so he stopped, uh, he, then he stopped doing it all together because he didn't want to get shit on all the time. And I don't know, honestly, since he never came back on the show, 
Uh, I don't think I've seen him since he stopped coming on the show. So I don't know what his fate was or where he is or what he did. I, I don't even think Martin saw him much after that or very season, very rarely, if any. Well, speaking Maybe of, I don't know uh, what happened to him. Yeah. So speaking of the from the Ville curse, that's what I was thinking. I wonder yeah. how would you, so being that you barely leave the dorm room, how would you find out yeah. if any uh, former guests uh, have died? Well, I, I see it, you know, uh, like a couple of them I found out online on Facebook. Oh. Uh, and then some of them, I mean, it's just a small, small enough town where, you know, but. Um, yeah. Have there been any yeah, reasons I mean, uh, uh, like well, Mr. Spring Break died? I remember that. Spring Break died. Obviously, we share one in common. Kessler, yeah, Kessler died, yeah. uh, who was it's, a guest on our show. Did Scoliosis Steve show die? Scoliosis Steve died. Yeah, he had one ball, one <laughs> testicle. Uh, who, um, oh, Carol Lott died. Oh, Carol Lott died. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dougie had a heart attack. But he's still alive. He survived, he's still alive. He bounced back, but he's still an alcoholic. <laughs> um, then we had, uh, Big Dick Dave got, uh, one-legged Big Dick Dave got sentenced to prison for cocaine. Oh, shit. Uh, Is he still in prison? Shit, I don't uh, no, I think he's out now. Um, hmm. And before spring break died, he got committed to a mental institution for the last probably eight months of his life. And there was a big petition on Facebook to free spring. All people selling free spring break t-shirts and shit. And that's all I found out about spring break dying was the fact that, uh, um, uh, the fact that, uh, it came across because there there was a fan, uh, you know, a, a fan page for spring break online. That's how I found out that he died. What about uh, uh, the gay know, men talking guys? A few still others. Oh, Who? yeah, gay men talking. Who were they? Alex oh, yeah, they're still, I was, they're still on my Facebook. Alex Are they is still on my married? Facebook. Oh, yeah, they're still happily married. Happily uh, gay married, I should say. They yeah, don't and, do the podcast, uh, right? Do they do the podcast anymore? No, I'm, sadly, they don't. But, yeah, was, that podcast was amazing. It was so <laughs> shot. I mean, it's just... Gay like, men I talking. remember there was one gay... <laughs> One night where they were just baking cookies in the kitchen and doing a podcast, it was incredible. But uh, yeah, Alex is still on. I don't. I don't think Dean is on uh, Facebook anymore. But Alex is because Alex. I see Alex posts quite a bit. He's he's pretty uh, active on social who, media. Who went to the fat girl uh, parties? Months, so he's posting a lot. <laughs> who went to the fat girl parties? Was it uh, Brody? Did Brody uh, go? All of it. No, it was uh, well, it was all of us. Mooner, yeah, Mooner. We we all went to them. Uh, Bones, oh, yeah, uh, Bones was actually the catalyst. Yeah, hmm. those were a great time. I mean, I <laughs> I don't think I've ever had any more uh, more fun in my life than going to BBW parties. Those were fucking just complete debauchery, and uh, it was it's certainly something I think everybody should have to experience in their lifetime. So uh, yeah, I don't know because I get pretty possessive about my food, and I'm not having, I'm not fighting a sodbuster for pizza. <laughs> like I will lose. I'm like not they even like one fifth of the size. Yeah, yeah they, they will would eat, eat your hand. You get too close oh, to your pizza. It's, it's the the sexual aggressiveness. Like it's you don't know it till you experience it. Like how sexually aggressive those sods are. They are those salad dodgers. <laughs> the minute you walk in the door, you're like a piece on. of meat. It's yeah, it's on You're it is. You're completely a slab of beef at that point. 
and you're in their house. It's like, you know, they always talk about you walk in the jungle, you know, the lions or the tigers, you know, are, are the kings of the forest. They're the queens of the forest and you're at their mercy. So uh, it's, it's unbelievable. So that, so in that kind of game of naked attraction, you'd actually do really well. With the oh, sod yeah. I, I, I killed it at the BBW parties. I mean, I, it was like, you know, you'd have six women on your tip right off the fucking get the minute you walk in the fucking door. This <laughs> wall came in like an extra large pizza and that was it. Oh, oh, if you walk in with food, <laughs> yeah, you're not getting. Can out of I there just alive. say though that if you're walking into any kind of it's date like situation, frenzy. you have you have food. I think ninety percent of women would be impressed and be like, "Fuck it's yeah!" Like a feeding frenzy. You gotta yeah. be careful. <laughs> lose a fucking finger. Um, so yeah, still, no, what they should have is a sign up when you walk in there. Don't feed the BBs. Walk in with some hagen does. Torn apart. The name. Big, beautiful women is a little misleading because they are big. The beautiful part is extremely questionable. Uh, I don't care how many pounds they lose because these aren't these aren't your typical. These aren't just girls that are overweight. These are yeah. girls that are like obese, plump. clinically, institutionally obese. Right. Like this, this is like so, a, like a, on a TLC show. You know what I'm talking about? Like those reality yeah. shows you'll see my two hundred pounds. Like yeah. this no, is my, totally like, gonna six hundred pound girlfriend. Yeah, like yeah, a six hundred pound mom. This yeah. is like a fistful yeah. of steel rant because I do agree that there is a difference between being fat and obese. But nowadays they're trying to lump it all in as one huh, lumps. <laughs> anyway, steel. <laughs> um, is, is there any plan to do like a, a I don't know, an anniversary show from the bill or anything like that? No, not 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 to my knowledge. Martin keeps calling me, or you know, every once in a while he'll call me with a new hair up his ass or something that he we should do this or we should do that. He wants to put the, but I'm like, one, I don't want to do anything more that's on a regular regimented schedule. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, it, it would have to be different from that because I mean, you can't really recreate something that's not been around for. 15 years or whatever the fuck it is. True. So, and I don't think there's the big enough audience out there. Well, that, that's one thing that. I so admire about I just you. I don't think I want to do it. As you guys quit while you're ahead, you're just like flogging a dead, retarded horse like I've been doing for the past 15 years. <laughs> well, I don't know if we were ever ahead. <laughs> we were ever like killing it or anything, but we had uh, a niche but little you, audience. You know, it was great. I mean, I, I did love Fistful of Seal, but I mean, that's it's a lot of work. So now I think it's kind of cool to have you on every now and then, like when you're free to come on. And like th this week, you're on uh, doing outtakes with us, played a little game of Jew or Not Jew, um, talked about uh, Miss Pat shitting in her hat, get the whole the full lowdown <laughs> for uh, for Kate. But that, that's what's kind of cool. It's, like, it's it's fun catching up with you every now and then. You know? Yeah. No, I like coming on. This is this is much more relaxed. And I don't write jokes or bits or anything anymore, so I, I don't want to do the fistful of steel thing anymore. So well, uh, I just completely stopped writing. So, well, uh, you can still go listen to all the archives of From the Bill. Because uh, they're free. Yeah, and they're, they're free. And you can, you can enjoy it. And that's the thing. You appreciate it for what it was. It, it, was pretty, it was a pretty amazing show. And kind of like a microcosm of like Bay City life during those like you know two years in like the mid-aughts. You know, it's, uh, mm -hmm. it, yeah, mm -hmm. when podcasting was like, you know, in its infancy, I don't think there were that many podcasts at the time, you know, so. Yeah, no, that was probably podcasting starting like 2004, so. 
But thank you, uh, Kate's mom, that. for calling in. And uh, I think it's kind of cool that she gets uh, – she, she definitely wanks to the sound of your voice, I would say. Yeah, I oh, love my wow. mom. Well, I'm going I'm to be wanking to her tonight. You should just like you know you should do. I'll send you the clip and you can just keep playing Gordy, Gordy, Gordy. Yeah, I do love the way she says Gordy. The way she does Gordy. You never think that when somebody when you hear the word Gordy that you're gonna get a chubby. Like you you shouldn't. Yeah. You should never get like a little bit of a chub when you hear the name Gordy thrown around. But the way she says it, she makes them sound like makes it sound sexy. Yeah, and then I'm definitely getting some chubs there. Um, thank you, Kate's mom, for calling in. People can call the Sick Wrong Hotline, 323-522-4032. we got to wrap up the show here. Um, as always, if you're a fan of the show and you want to give back, if you want to show us a little love to your favorite podcrafters, go to the Sick and Wrong Patreon, sign up, and uh, you know you, you actually get a lot for uh, just like five bucks a month. I mean, we do uh, an extra news story, we do extra phone calls, and we do usually do outtakes this week, as I was saying. Uh, we, had the, we had the second installment of Jew or Not Jew, and I got to say, it was an onslaught. It was a complete trouncing. Two rounds, even a lightning round. I'm not going to say who won it. You got to listen, but someone definitely uh, got the Nazi of the Year award. <laughs> um, yeah, Steele versus Kate there. And also, uh, Steele uh, you know, regaled us with some stories of getting crabs twice. And uh, your, your home-brewed pubic lice shampoo, which I think you should market that, Steele. <laughs> but also, they give up, you know, for 10 bucks a month, uh, you not only get uh, all that, you also get the news segment. Um, this week, we're talking about a bartender who uh, was treated differently by her customers after gaining weight during the COVID. So when she came back to the bar, she's a little heftier. People treat her differently. Um, also, the rebranded version of Australia's Coon Cheese. Um, they changed the name. They're no longer selling Coon Cheese at Australian supermarkets. So, uh, people, yeah, if you sign up, go to sick and wrong or patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Sign up. We have multiple tiers. And uh, um, also, we even do a full bonus episode, Sick and Wrong Overkill, which uh, this week, um, kind of keeping with the pride theme, uh, Kate did a whole overkill about Sidney Franklin the gay Jewish bullfighter from Brooklyn. I had no idea this guy even existed. Yeah, I can't believe that Pride Month's over. Um, yeah, we, so going, going out on a bang with yeah, Sydney Franklin. Steele, we did a whole, this is the first time we ever did this in Second Rock, a full like Pride-themed month for June. So we did like each episode about like, we did like, cross-dressing killers. Last week we did the, what was it, the homo hop uh, gay conspiracies and uh, and rap music. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This week, uh, lesbian killers. So, yeah. People, go go check it out. Lot, lots going on at the uh, the Patreon, and you get to support the show, make you feel good. Also, if you want to buy some Sigurong merch, you can go to the T Public Store. Not sure if they're doing a sale this week. Probably com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope. And uh, we're going to end the show here with a lesbian themed Sigurong song of the week. Tribe Eight. Um, is the name of the band. They're from uh, San Francisco, really popular in of like the, the early 90s. Um, they're considered one of the first queer core groups. Uh, the band took their name from the practice of, I, I don't even know if I'm saying this right, tribidism? Tribidism? Is that what it is? Tribbing. Tribbing. Yeah. But tribidism is the, is the sexual act, uh, which is uh, the sexual practice known as scissoring. It's called tribidism. And with tribe eight being a play on the word tribade, 
I guess is uh, uh. it's a do to to engage in scissoring. I even I, I've heard of tribbing. I never knew. Yeah, well, it was tribbing like is just scissoring. Yeah. Yeah. So in when they played live shows, the lead singer Lynn Breedlove, who now I think has transitioned into a man, uh, Lynn Breedlove would perform shirtless, wear a strap-on dildo, and encourage audience members to suck to suck on it. And to like jack it off, like and and their songs dealt with like subjects such as S and M, nudity, transgender issues. Uh, band was quite controversial. So we're gonna end the song, the show here, and wrap up our uh, Pride Month with a uh, Tribate doing a song called "Femme Bitch Top." Uh, Steel, thanks for being on the show, and uh, you know I'm, I hope you had a happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Steel. Go head out to the Olive Garden. Treat yourself to something nice. (laughs) (laughs) People will be back next week with episode 798. Till then, take it sleazy.
one's for you. I think we're going to do like uh, maybe one more and then we'll do a lightning round. Um, Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, Jew. Weird Al Yankovic. (laughs) One of the most talented musicians I've ever heard. That is true. Weird Al Yankovic, not a Jew. What? (laughs) I know. He's Polish. He's Polish. Yeah, but not all Poles are Jewish. Right. Well, I know that. I go I go to Poland all the time and hang yeah. out with the Poles. But they like killed no all other Jews. I wonder so far he was a, like parents survived a Holocaust and then he picked up the accordion and that's how he got through the trauma. He is not <laughs> a Jew. <laughs> Fuck all me, right. I'm doing terrible. Yeah, this you're week. not doing good. The steel's whooping your ass. All right, uh Steel, last one and then we'll get to lightning ground. 